Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. There's nothing left for us to do Find the strength to see this through We are the ones who will never be broken Hello folks and thank you once again for coming to Bard's Logic Political Talk Part of the growing conservative conversation and also part of the Patriot Journalist Network. And you can find the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. Well, we're going to have an explosive show uh, tonight, of course, with all the events that have been going on. Uh, so uh, we're going to have our guest on when he calls in, and that is Jim Conda Jr. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, North Korea's globalist role uh, and what part they actually have uh, to play uh, with the globalists. Uh, we'll also hear from uh, yourself, Dr. Tolbert, I see on the line, uh, as well as uh, perhaps John. Just push it on the one on your number dial. Uh, we'll get you in the show. I want to welcome uh, Carolyn. Uh, thank you for coming to the chat. It's good to see you. And I do see all those other folks who've been making some messages on Facebook. Uh, welcome as well, and I'll get to your comments as soon as I can. Now, first, uh, we're going to be talking about, as I said, North Korea. And then we'll move in, of course, to what happened uh, in Charlottesville. And then, of course, uh, an article you'll be able to uh, find on the Bard's Logic Political Talk newsroom at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. Uh, man, I tell you what, you, you should go there, really. The, the Bard's Logic newsroom, there is a I, – I've been having the newsroom there for some time now. I don't know exactly how long. But I tell you what, I think I've got the most – uh, the, the greatest montage of uh, of articles on on at this time. So check it out. You can even subscribe to the newsroom uh, by having uh, updates sent to your email. So again, check that out at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. And, and go with North Korea. It looks like that. You know, w- w- when we're doing the the spot for tonight, I was talking to Jim. He's like, well, you know, they're, they're backing down some. Maybe this wouldn't still be. Uh, something to talk about or even the the feature on the show tonight, and we will get to our other topic to give them uh, plenty of time. But I said, no, no, we'll still continue with it uh, because just because, you know, it's calmed down a little bit or they've kind of backed away uh, from their Guam comments, that doesn't mean uh, that, you know, the discussion we're going to have tonight is irrelevant. And and you can also find our talking points for tonight uh, by going to the Bard's Logic Political Talk uh, page there on Facebook, and if uh, you're not already uh, like the page, I appreciate if you did so, and you can find that just by going to the search engine there on Facebook, and just by putting in Bard's Logic Political Talk, um, and you'll be able to get to the page. Now there you'll see, as you scroll down, uh, how many, uh, you know, the different talking points that, you know, uh, Doc, he'll be, Jim McConda will be discussing this evening. Uh, now he looks like he is running late for the show. Uh, so hopefully we'll be able to get him in shortly. You know, such is uh, his schedule. <laughs> so 
that happens sometimes. So we'll, 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 I think he'll make it in with this, you know, at some point. But anyway, back to North Korea, and you know, Trump and, and Trump was lambasted, as you know, about his comments, fire, fury, and something the world has uh, not seen before. Now, of course, the fire and fury were re, uh, you know, referring to, of course, nuclear weapons. At least I believe uh, he was referring to nuclear weapons. And so, what we got here is that <laughs> the, the only problem I have is we said nothing we've seen before. But what would it have been? Uh, really didn't elaborate much on that. Uh, and you know, I mean, uh, who knows? Maybe we do have the SDI and nobody knows about it. But anyway. And that's a strategic defense initiative for those who are not familiar with that. And you can hear more on that uh, on our previous show we had last week. I want to thank everyone uh, who came to that show and also for uh, listening to it later. But anyway, with with the fire and fury, of course, they backed away. But maybe, you know, I I really don't want to give it away uh, why we think they may have done that. So I do want to leave it up to our guests. Uh, to you know, kind of bring that out uh, in our discussion tonight. But if you're out there and you want to reach us on the line, give us a call at 347-945-7428 and push the one on your number dial. I'll bring you into the green room and just get your name and perhaps uh, the state that you're in. We do like to hear uh, where all the people are calling all throughout the country. And so we even had a, a person calling twice. Uh, different shows, different times uh, from England, which was very, which was fascinating. It was really uh, neat to see. But um, I'm getting messages even <laughs> as we speak. So hold on just for a moment. Okay, they called that dramatic pause. But anyway, <laughs> uh, just seeing who that was. Here's because of course you guys know as host I'm also wearing multiple hats and I do see that we have our uh, guest uh, coming in and that's a uh, friend Jim Condit Jr. So let's go ahead and welcome Jim. Uh, welcome Jim for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Hi, fine, thank you. Yeah, the way kind of setting things up this this evening is you know as you mentioned and as we know is you know. Uh, North Korea has backed away, you know, some from their threats. Um, and and through your your analysis uh, of what you sent me earlier tonight, I didn't want to give that away on, on what your thoughts are on on why that is. And we'll do that at the end of the talking points, which I did post on Facebook uh, for those who can, you know, access. Though again, on uh, Bard's Watch Little Talk, uh, just put that in the search engine or Facebook. You'll be able to find the page. So if you haven't liked it already, uh, appreciate uh, giving a like to the page. So go ahead, uh, give us you know, what we're discussing tonight about you know, North Korea and it's you know what I called it its globalist role uh, for those looking for the you know the one world government. But you mentioned the bankers, things of that nature. So as I say here, we're rolling it over to you, Jim. Okay. Um, can you hear me? Okay. I can hear you pretty good. Well, now let me try. Can you hear me better now? Um, I don't know better, but uh, but I think you're fine. Okay, well, let me talk, and if you're having trouble hearing me, then just say so, okay? I, I just do. wanted to go – I was going to go through the background on the, the idea that Korea is not acting as 
all on its own. It, it's too little of a nation. Um, and we're going to go over the history of how we got to a communist North Korea that's sitting around occasionally popping off and threatening the world. And uh, I turned on my HP printer, uh, Robert, and finally after – I sometimes this HP printer gets me mad. It, it, it like winds up for three or four minutes. Then it finally prints when you haven't had it on for a while. But anyway, uh, so the, the, the to people that are new or haven't considered this before, um, there it, it comes as a surprise, I guess, to a lot of people who have basically relied on the big media or the big publications that there is a shadow government uh, centered around the international banks that has been um, working against and sometimes infiltrating into the biggest governments of the world, including ours. So communism, which, which burst on the scene as a occupier of nations, uh, the, the idea of communism was, was around well before uh, the, um, uh, the, the uh, communist manifesto was published by Karl Marx in eight. Well, it was published in 1848 by the League of Just Men, Just Men, a guy named Karl Marx write it. But Karl Marx's name did not appear on the Communist Manifesto till twenty five yeah, years you're, later. You're starting to break up, Jim. Okay. Uh okay, how about now? Better. Well let me let me try again. Now if this doesn't work I'll have to call in on the, the landline. Oh, I think this will work. Um uh the uh so guy I was saying the uh, Communist Manifesto was published in eighteen forty eight by the League of Just Men it, it didn't. The, they paid a guy named Karl Marx to codify their ideas, and his name didn't appear on the Communist Manifesto till 1873. Uh, 25 years later, I believe that's around the time he died. And to prove that communism was on well before 1848, one example is the encyclical by Pope Pius IX in 1846. Name escapes me this second, but whatever encyclical. Pope Pius IX published in 1846, which it was his first year uh, as Pope, he condemned the doctrines of so-called communism in that encyclical two years before the Communist Manifesto ever appeared. So communism was always the um, police arm of the, the, the bankers, the international bankers, which basically the bankers got their foothold in, in the world in England in about 1696. They took over banking for England. That's a story we won't go into right now. But um, that was the year that – and they eventually formed within London a three-mile radius walled-in place called The City. And if you look on the internet, I think you can find a book called The City – and it tells about the history of this little place in England where the Rothschilds and the bankers have had a place for centuries. And even the uh, Queen of England had to uh, make an appointment, or the King of England had to make an appointment to go in, and then they would open the, you know, the gates of the city. So this whole uh, background of what Mao Tse Shadow Cup uh, government is somewhat un- unknown to uh, most people. Now, um, uh, let's see. Yeah, for whatever it's worth, that encyclical in 1846 was called Quay in Pat- Patriarchuta. It's not so important you remember the name, but just that 
a document put out by one of the leaders of the world mentioned communism two years before the Communist Manifesto was uh, published. And communism is, of course, that the whole world is on a commune owning no property like animals, and it's run by the lords at the top, which is the heads of communism who themselves plan to be billionaires while we're all, all on the big commune not having a right to own any property. That's the goal of, of pure communism. So anyway um, – Communism was always the police arm, the military arm, the terrorist arm of these international bankers. And for anyone that wants to get a good summary of this, we can talk about The Secret of Oz, which is on YouTube by Bill Still, who's a tremendous documentary maker, still alive. In fact, Bill Still does a commentary every day on YouTube if you want to seek out Bill Still's commentary. So The Secret of Oz is a 90-minute thing put in about 2008 on this uh, international banking establishment. His first work was a three-hour masterpiece in 1996 called The Money hey, Masters. How inter- yeah. Jim, real quick, can you spell Bill's last name? Yeah, it's still S-T-I-L-L. Okay, so it's the way it's – okay. I didn't know whether there's a Y in there or whatever. Okay, okay. So no, basically, I'm, no, I'm going- Bill Stills. Okay. Yeah, very, and it's just a singular S T I L L, and it's two things are the Secret of Oz, which is ninety minutes, and he tells how the secret, the Wizard of Oz, was written about the struggle between the bankers and the farmers in the eighteen eighties and eighteen nineties, and who everybody was. Dorothy was us, like boy, she was kind of like, what's going on? I don't seem like I'm in Kansas anymore. The Scarecrow was the farmers, and so on. It tells you what the symbology was, but it also ties it to our current situation. And then if you want the longer version and the more thorough version, it's the money masters, how international bankers gain control of America. So the communists tried to take over a number of countries. In Russia, they tried to take over in 1905 and failed, but then they finally succeeded. Uh, Jacob Schiff and other New York bankers funded Lenin and Trotsky and others to take over Russia in 1917, and they succeeded. And they replaced the Romanovs, who had ruled Russia for 500 years at that point. A year later, they replaced the Habsburgs, who had ruled uh, the Austro-Hungarian uh, Empire in the middle of Europe for 600 years. So, and this is a, they have about as much respect for our constitution and our constitutional government as they did for the Romanovs or the uh, uh, or, or the or the uh, Habsburgs. So, the, the one thing I'll just mention in parentheses here, although it may be something for another show. This idea that the bankers of Europe are behind uh, the New World Order is preposterous, except for the Queen of England. They were Queen of England, who was one of them, and the King of England, who was one of the, you know, they worked with the Rothschilds in the city and that. Except for them, all the bankers were toppled, in, or all, excuse me, all the dynasties, all the kings and queens were toppled in 1917 and 1918 with the exception of a few very small ones like Monaco, which have still been allowed to exist, but they're insignificant. So we're getting to Korea here, believe it or not, but I'm just laying the groundwork. Uh, likewise, Mao Zedong was involved with the branch of Yale University in China in 1919 and 1920, and he was consistently supported by the communists in Moscow, uh, and he met personally with Stalin in Moscow in 1949, uh, after the communists had taken over China in 1946. So we got the bankers get their toehold in, in, in the world at 1696 in England. By 1917, they had funded some of their police arm to take over Russia. And then in 1946, they took over China behind Mao Zedong. Now, 
this is why the West and sincere people in the United States were panicking if you read editorials back then in the newspapers, because here this strange, mysterious force of communism had taken over one-third of the land, Earth's land mass and one-third of the little more than a third of the human population between 1917 and 1946, okay? And, you, and, and since it was not known where the mysterious help, which was the international bankers, and why did the international bankers have so much power, like in Goldman Sachs and the Fed and whatever other, and then they eventually developed the International Monetary Fund? Well, because they could issue money. They had got the nations to give them the authority to issue money. Now, I guarantee if those of us on this call and you and I had the power to issue money, within a few months we could be hiring organizers in every state and buying up media and, and getting our people in positions of power. And that's what the bankers did. And this was pretty much unbeknownst to the people, as we'll see in the next few points. By the way, uh, Robert, this is probably about a 15-minute presentation. I think it's not going to go on all night. Well, it might seem like it's going to, but I'm just giving the background. Leading up to the communist takeover of China was a long trail of uh, President Franklin Roosevelt, who Roosevelt was in office from 1932 to 1945 when he died. After him is when they made the two-term limit because he had been elected to four terms. And Roosevelt was funding and arming the communists in Russia. I mean, they were, had already taken over, but Roosevelt recognized communist Russia in 1933 and started helping them with all kinds of materials. Uh, this is in the book uh, National Suicide by Anthony Sutton. Uh, he, he's got that's a condensation of three longer, uh, very scholarly works he did um, for the Hoover Institute. But the popular book was called National Suicide. So he's arming the Russians, and the Russians are already arming the insurgent Chinese communists under Mao Zedong, starting in about 19 the 1920s. And they were working against the free Chinese forces, which by World War II was led by General Chiang Kai-shek. So you got Mao Zedong being funded by the United States through Russia, Moscow, through the communists in Moscow. He's being funded, and Chiang Kai-shek was being funded originally from the United States. So next, a completely sinister person named General George Catlett Marshall was put in charge of China by Roosevelt. And later, he was made Secretary of State under Truman. Uh, at one point, when the, uh, the Chinese, the free Chinese, were fighting the communist Chinese, uh, suddenly, uh, George Marshall, uh, who was in charge of U.S. aid to China, bragged about 1946 when he said, I have disarmed Chiang Kai-shek with a stroke of a pen. And that became a famous quote uh, and is, is quoted in a lot of places with the source but he then defunded the free Chinese. So now, with the United States working through uh, Lend-Lease and other programs under Franklin Roosevelt and helping communist Russia get stuff, and they were under Stalin funding Mao Zedong, suddenly the communists had all the arms. They gained control of mainland China, and the free Chinese were forced on the island of Taiwan, where we all know Anybody that's studying world geography or world history knows that's where they are today. Now, I'm going to stop here to mention some books that go over this in great depth. One is called Again, May God Forgive Us by Robert Welch. 
Robert Welch uh, wrote that book originally as a long letter to a friend in 1951, and it was called May God Forgive Us on how we had turned over China to the communist Chinese, the United States government, unbeknownst to the American people. And then when he published it as a book again in 1952, he expanded it. And instead of calling it May God Forgive Us, the book is called Again, May God Forgive Us. And you can get that that on uh, Amazon or elsewhere. Also in 1951 was... Uh, a a speech, a 90,000-word speech given by Senator Joseph R. McCarthy, the senator from Wisconsin, so maligned in history. And uh, his 90,000-word speech was was put into a book called America's Retreat from Victory, the story of George Catlett Marshall by Senator McCarthy. And McCarthy was warned, don't do this. You're going to destroy your career. McCarthy said, well, this is what the problem with America is. Politicians are only looking at what the political gain of everything is. They're not looking at what's good for the country. So he gave the speech and unmasked what is happening. And if you read that book, you'll see why the establishment has always hated Senator McCarthy, Joseph McCarthy, because he could speak like Pat Buchanan or or Trump. He could speak in terms that people understood. Uh, There's an article on the Internet at thenewamerican.com which is written by a James Perloff, and that article is called China Betrayed into Communism, and it more or less gives a summary of what I'm doing here and more. And a final book was called While You Slept, Our Tragedy in Asia, and Asia excuse me, Our Tragedy in Asia and Who Made It by John T. Flynn, also published in 1951. So about five years after China, the Chinese communists were helped to take over Russia, by the Roosevelt administration and by Stalin, all these people were trying to get to the public what had happened. Okay, now major U.S. press organs led by the New York Times um, lied to the American people that Mao was not a communist, but he was a good-hearted agrarian reformer. This is the same thing they did lied about Castro when he was taking power. After he took power, they brought him to the United States. New York Times and all the networks were saying, "No, no, he's really just a democratic agrarian farmer." Now, uh, we have to cover that when General Douglas MacArthur, during the Korean War, which was 1948, I guess, to 1952, he was going to knock out the communists in North Korea and Mao Zedong and the communists in Red China in 1951. And he made it known that he was going to do that. And this was against the policy of Truman. Roosevelt had died in 1945. Truman took over. Well, President Truman, to the perplexing of everybody that didn't know about this shadow government, he fired MacArthur to make sure that Korea was still a divided country and to make sure that the communists kept control of China. So the whole country, the military, everybody was shocked when Truman fired MacArthur because he would have right then knocked out the communists in North Korea and knocked out Mao Zedong in China, and then Shanghai Czech would have come back and China would have been free. So... This was kind of like when President Woodrow Wilson, back in 1917-18, under the direction of Bernard Baruch. Bernard Baruch was kind of the Henry Kissinger of his day. He directed a lot of stuff that President Woodrow Wilson did because he was a representative of the bankers. I'm sure he could arrange for a lot of things to happen. And we sent troops, the U.S. sent American troops, to surround Moscow circa 1918, ostensibly to protect the Russian aristocracy, but really it was to stop the Russian aristocracy from knocking out Lenin and the communists and knocking the communists out of power in Russia. So the same thing was done, and that Truman 
saved the North, uh, the communists in North Korea and saved Mao Zedong in communist China. Okay, that's a big moment there. And you cannot understand that Truman firing MacArthur, it makes no sense unless you realize that these bankers wanted communism in China. And for some reason, they also seem to like divided countries. They made sure Korea was divided. They made Vietnam was divided at one point. Germany was divided at one point. They seemed to, they tried to divide the United States at the Civil War, which is another story. And believe it or not, the Tsar of Russia did a lot to save Lincoln. And he sent troops to uh, his ships to San Francisco and somewhere on the East Coast and told the European powers come in on the side of uh, uh, both sides. He said, anyone that fires on the United States, I will fire on them. That's a little known history of the Tsar of Russia stopping European powers from coming in at the behest of the bankers to try to make sure that we were a divided country. Okay. So, but why did they want the communists to stay in control of China and North Korea? Okay. Well, so that's the last part of this between 1946 and about 1966, under Mao Zedong, uh, 64 million Chinese dissidents, meaning Chinese freedom fighters, were executed or killed or starved out by Mao and the communists to break up the old order of China and break down the centuries-old Chinese uh, society to prepare them for what was to come. And what was to come was what we'll, what we'll mention in a point or two. So in with the, the communists firmly in control, Nixon was encouraged or maybe he felt himself that he had to open up Red China, which we had no diplomatic relations with the Red China because the American people were supposed to believe that this uh, behind the scene puppet fight was, was, was for real. So we didn't have any uh, formal relations diplomatically with Red China until Nixon went there circa 1971-72, and he went there and opened up China and reestablished diplomatic relations with China, uh, uh, Red China, which was, again, uh, ruling over about one-fourth of the human beings on Earth. So this was the last step towards why the bankers wanted the communists to take over Red China, and that was to make Red China the largest corporation in history under the control of the bankers. This corporation called Red China, we can now see in retrospect, was set up for uh, several purposes. I have three in my little notes here, but it's really four. A, it became the largest corporation in history under the financial control of the international bankers, such as the Fed, Goldman Sachs, the Bank of America, uh, and so forth. B, to provide these banksters and their big and their big corporation of Red China with slave labor and near slave labor, namely the Chinese people who are under the communists. C, to move jobs from the United States and other places in the what's called the, you know, the developed or the first world to the slave laborers in Red China. And D, they made products in Red China at the factories there owned by the international bankers and their friends, many of which have become Chinese because there's a lot of red Chinese billionaires and millionaires from from this system so they make the products in red china under slave labor and send them back to america and around the world so they're making the bankers and their friends who run these corporations or these factories are making 10 times the profits by selling these slave labor products to americans through walmart and so forth and to other countries now walmart 
some of you may remember the name Daniel uh, Michael New. Michael New was a soldier around the year 2000, who under or 1998, who under Clinton refused to wear the. They told the soldiers to take off their American helmets and put on the blue UN helmet. He refused to do so. And I think that stopped a lot of that from happening back then. But I got to know his dad, Daniel New, at the Constitution Party convention back in 2000, where Howard Phillips was running for president in the Constitution Party. And um, uh, Daniel New told me then at the convention that Walmart in Arkansas had moved their main buying offices to Red China, that they, they were still ostensibly in Arkansas, but they were buying 80% of their products out of Red China, and they had moved their, name, their main buying offices over there. That was to get to the products made by the slave labor. Our jobs went over there and other countries, and then they sold them back to us at 10 times the profit because they're being made by slave labor. Okay, now let's back up uh, a little bit here on – because we're getting to Korea and, uh, and nuclear weapons, and we got about four more points here. The U.S. got nuclear weapons in 1945. That was the Manhattan Project, and um, it was a top secret. They, most people only knew what part they were working on. They didn't know what all the parts were leading up to, and that really wasn't revealed to the world until the nuclear bomb was dropped on Hiroshima in 1945. Well, at that point, the United States could have conquered the world because we were the only ones that had nuclear weapons. Of course, we didn't want to knock out the communists in China because that was created by the same banksters that had funded the making a nuclear weapon. We didn't want to knock out the communists in China who took over one year later. Uh, But so what happened was, is that primarily through a military shipping point in Montana, uh, a, uh, we shipped uranium and all the other parts that were needed for nuclear weapons to Russia between 19, 1945, 46, 47. Now, the guy that was supervising that military Montana shipping point was Major Jordan, and his story of what he kept notes of what was being sent through his his uh, Montana base, which he felt a lot of the items were kind of odd. That's in the book Major Jordan's Diary which was published, excuse me, Major Jordan's Diaries, which was published around 1955. Uh, At the time, Major Jordan was keeping records, as I said, of what was going to Russia. And it was ostensibly then going in 1945 to help in the war against uh, Germany. Um, But neither Jordan, Major Jordan, or anyone else knew that these products were all all adding up to, to nuclear weapons until later people looked at it, and Russia announced that it had nuclear weapons, and I think did their first test of nuclear weapons in 1948. So that kept a two-sided thing going, with the bankers doing a lot to animate both sides. Uh, Through communist Russia again, uh, traders in the U.S. government and in Russia helped the Red Chinese get nuclear weapons by 1964. So 16 years later, Red Chinese got nuclear weapons. They've never disclosed how many they have. And then in turn, they and others helped North Korea get nuclear weapons. Other nations now have nuclear weapons too. But North Korea got their weapons sometimes after that. Okay, now, um, based on what I've said, then I think it's at least anyone listening to this evidence should at least consider it as a possibility 
that the international bankers in New York, London, etc., effectively control Red China, which they still do in large part, if not totally, not sure, though. And in turn, that the Red Chinese and these bankers control the North Koreans, who are a little country, never could have gotten nuclear weapons on their own. But occasionally they come up and start brandishing and threatening the world. So uh, my opinion is North Korea does nothing without the permission of China. And China does not do it without permission of our, uh, the international bankers here in New York and London and so forth. That's my opinion. Trump seems to have the same opinion, more or less, because he's saying we want the Chinese to start, you know, putting that uh, pressure down, putting the hammer down on North Korea and tell them to quit threatening the whole world. So, therefore, I, my opinion is the current out-of-the-blue threatening by Kim Jong-un was a tactic of the international bankers to throw another roadblock in Trump's way to eat up days and weeks and time and energy, keeping everybody off guard about, you know, uh, what's North Korea going to do? Are they going to start a nuclear war uh, to, uh, you know, just put another stumbling block in front of the Trump agenda? Uh, Trump probably believing that the crisis was mostly real or could be real. I think he accidentally or on purpose called the blank bankers bluff when he said threatened Kim Jong-un and said if he, if he shoots a nuclear weapon he's going to meet fire and fury that the world has never seen now I think that was rhetoric by Trump to be strong in the face of this threatening from North Korea but he not only scared Kim Jong-un who as you know in the last two days has said he's not going to do any nuclear strikes at the moment I think he also scared the bankers because I noticed that as soon as Trump said this in a speech, all these generals that are usually uh, want, like every war that they see, they all started coming on TV and they're all saying, oh, let's, let's, let's calm the rhetoric down now. We've got to calm down. We've got to ramp down the rhetoric. And I noticed this happened right after Trump's talk. So I guess he's unpredictable to them and not sure they can control him. And not sure who around him is 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 really is finally glad to have a president like Trump. So I believe that they, they started to be afraid and they started, to, oh, let's be calm. And then a, a few days later, yesterday, to be exact, Kim, I, uh, uh, I always forget his name if I'm not looking at it, uh, but it's Kim Jong-un suddenly says, OK, I'm not going to do any nuclear strikes but then he said unless people get me mad i might reconsider it but he basically now has stood down so i think we have to leave two other possibilities before i end here one is is that the madman if, if trump continues to cause them fits the madman running so much at the top of the world may be, may decide to actually use a nuclear weapon to throw trump and humanity off guard at risking a wider uh, deployment of nuclear weapons either uh, from Kim Jong-un in North Korea or from uh, the dark side of military intelligence in the United States and Israel setting off a false flag nuclear attack in St. Louis or Houston or American cities as an excuse. This would be a false flag attack they would probably blame on the Muslims to have an excuse to declare martial law. We can't rule that out. And I dare say that if people are not aware that 9-11 – was a false flag that not that's another show maybe that 9-11 was a false flag done by the dark side of military intelligence in the United States and Israel blamed on the Muslims the purpose of 9-11 was to start 50 years of war in the Middle East which we're in the middle of and to remake the world over there 
and then also it was to start talk of a police state here at home, justify universal surveillance as that uh, uh, treasonous crook General Clapper has said we're, we're, that the uh, NSA is monitoring every email, every phone call, every text. That's what he said. Uh, so and then we got to then we got to leave uh, off uh, end this with one other possibility, and that is that some leader will simply go off the rails, lose their head, and actually use a nuclear bomb just because they got mad. Uh, it's kind of amazing to me. That it didn't. That since 1945, no one has ever gone off the rails or lost their temper. We got India, we got Pakistan, we got all these number of countries with nuclear weapons. So far, nobody has lost their temper and used a nuclear weapon. But this is where prayers come in because uh, we want to try to avoid that from happening. Needless to say, and that's human nature. Things can go wrong. So at the moment, as many of us predicted, there's not an imminent, apparently there's not an imminent danger of a nuclear threat. But I believe Korea has always been a sock puppet that threatens the United States, as, as, but really they never would do that if they didn't have the permission of communist China. And as I think we've demonstrated, communist China was set up with the it could not have been set up without the backing of the international bankers and the collusion of Franklin Roosevelt and Harry Truman, Dwight Eisenhower. By the way, I found out the other night from one of the generals on television, once they had Korea divided in 1952, and it, they, they, the purpose was over to divide Korea and have the North be communist, North Korea be communist, uh, uh, General Eisenhower suddenly ended the Korean War. They said that he threatened the North Koreans with nuclear weapons. And that's why the North Korean War, which never had any reason to exist in the first place, except for all this mischief and the divide Korea, that's why it abruptly came to an end, according to this general, because Dwight Eisenhower threatened them with nuclear weapons. Dwight, the, the conscious agents that cooperated consciously with the international bankers, in my view, were Franklin Roosevelt, Harry Truman, and Dwight Eisenhower, then Lyndon Johnson after that, um, um, but Dwight Eisenhower was also a conscious cooperator with the uh, with the international bankers, and from his career, uh, you can demonstrate that. There's a book by also by a Robert Welch, a Robert Welch called The Politician, published in 1958 or 59 or 60, maybe 1960, about the career of Dwight David Eisenhower. So, at any rate, that is my take, Robert, on North Korea. Uh, I guess I talked for, I don't know, longer than 15 minutes. It says 1038 on my, on my, uh, my, uh, uh, computer here, but that is the end of my presentation. And I hope people found it somewhat informative and somewhat interesting. I found it absolutely fascinating. <laughs> I can keep listening to, to more. That's for certain. But let's go ahead. And first we are going to bring in some other callers. Uh, we do have uh, Dr. Tolbert online, but before we bring it, and of course the lines do stay open. And before we bring him on, we will hear from the Patriot Journalist Network. And for those out there who are listening to the show and you like to chime in, if you're already on the line, push the one on your number dial. Or if not, just give us a call at 347-945-7428, and we will get you into the show. There's still plenty of time for this topic, and the others we'll discuss tonight. Uh, but before we bring in Dr. Tolbert, let's go ahead and hear from the Patriot Journalist Network. 
You're not just listening to a show. You're part of the powerful voice of the conservative conversation on Blog Talk Radio. Nothing worthwhile has ever been accomplished without teamwork. PJNet invites you to help make a difference by adding your voice to the team grassroots conservatives working together to take our country back. To find out more, check out the PJNet hashtag and visit our website at patriotjournalist.com. Let PJNet add our muscle to your hustle. And definitely, folks, check out the Patriot Journalist Network at www.patriotjournalist.com. And at this time, let's go ahead and uh, bring the mic over. And, of course, Jim, your mic is still open. Uh, to Dr. Tolbert, thank you very much, Dr. Tolbert, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Good. I, I really enjoyed the informative information, and I'd kind of like to tie it together a little more uh, from the standpoint is the United States is not owned by the American people, that after the Civil War, we incorporated the United States, just as what he was saying with China and the banks of England, then took over the control of the 10 square mile. Then we get in the fact that the Federal Reserves are owned by the international banking corporations, as he had mentioned what was happening in in China. Then we get into the fact that North Korea, the the people that are prisoners or working in camps are actually housed in Russia. So the Russia's involvement in North Korea, Korea is just as substantial as what's happening in China. Now we get into Venezuela. Russia and China have just moved into Venezuela with the major banking and groups talking about if we sanction Venezuela, we're going to end up with the issue with the cost of fuel because Russia and China's involvement there. So now you get into the international banking system. You talk about the Bosnia conflict in 1918. And I took care of a lady for 10 years that was born in Siberia during the Bosnia conflict. And you get into the banking industry, you get into the Jesuits, the Illuminatis, you get into tie-in, and a lot of people are talking China, but they're leaving out the influence of what Russia has to do with uh, North Korea and the influence that they've had over the years, and in addition to we started articles in January about the taking down of the dictatorship of Venezuela and how in the last month the president and other people are coming to the realization that your Venezuelan country is going to be another North Korea as Russia and China are dividing that. So, you know, the division of California, uh, the breaking down of the United States, uh, the fact that we're watching what's happening in Charlottesville, uh, we're watching George Sawyer's, we're watching the international banking system, uh, involvement of paying for demonstrations in America, uh, we're watching that the multi-million dollar ships of goods coming into Walmarts and how 90 cents on the dollar that's in Walmarts is actually leaving America versus the private industry, uh, the bring jobs home made in America, uh, the General Motors is now moving to China, uh, Ford Motor Company is now leaving the United States and building factories in other places. All this that he just mentioned about North Korea is also got to be looked at from the picture as how does 
the international banking control still the United States and how the uh, Rothschilds and, and Sachs and all these people are involved in Venezuela and how they're taking over all these other identities and how China is now moved into the islands. They're into Jamaica. They're into the Commonwealth of Dominica. Uh, they're into uh, Trinidad. Uh, many people don't realize the large of what's happening. We heard Trump just make comments uh, that he is glad that the North Korean president has moved back a little bit. So Trump is not condemning. He's actually saying the guy is very intelligent. He is building up the the image of the North Korean president in order for the North Korean president not to feel threatened. But the banking system have exactly concluded that if we continue with the conflict in North Korea, we destroy the economic value of the major banking systems that are now being ran by all these other countries. So what he just put together, then you look at North Korea, you look at Russia, you look at Venezuela, you look at the United States Corporation, we look at the Constitution, the violation by Congress. So I just kind of want to throw that all together for his discussion. So thank you very much, uh, Dr. Colbert. And uh, if you would like to uh, make any comment or reply there, Jim, uh, you're welcome to, of course. And uh, we do have uh, Susan on the line, so we'll be getting Susan on as well. If you'd like to chime in, go ahead, Jim. No, I just wanted to say that, of course, that was a, a good addendum uh, to what I said. Uh, I mean, there's, a, we, I guess we could deal with different parts of this thing for, for hours. So, no, I appreciate the expansion there. The one... Uh, um, and this thing about I have not studied much, Doctor, into the takeover of the corporate, the corporate, the, the you might say the banksters' corporate structure. And I was it 1871, I think you said around there. The United right. States government was consistently replaced in courts and things like that with the United States Corporation. This is a little bit tricky. I don't dwell on it too much because it loses people when you're first telling them stuff, but it is true. And if you've ever fought in court uh, on a patriotic issue, you can find that the judge has the wisdom of Solomon if they're dealing with a car wreck between two, two poor people or something like that. You find them to be very wise, and I've even thought, gee, well, that guy, he really is doing what he should be doing because he's got the temperament of a judge, and he decided, decided that case fairly. Now, this is as long as it's a non-political case with poor people, but you know, or middle class people. But you get into a political case, and these guys are so crooked. I end up feeling like the same judge needs to be dragged out on the line, given a fair trial, and hung. I mean, they're so crooked when it gets to a political case. But this is because you're now in the uh, arena of the United States corporation. So all that's absolutely true. It's probably not for this show, Robert. But I do want to offer one little point of dissent on what the doctor said. I I would be glad to do a show. I would be glad to do it with Eric John Phelps, who's a Israeli diamond merchant who is a front for the Rothschilds. Uh, the Jesuit part of this is is basically is something that's been planted by the Rothschilds to throw people off, in my opinion. And um, the reason I say that now, this and let me let me just, I, I want to let Susan have a chance. So Robert, you've heard me say this before, but let me just say it again. I was born and raised a Catholic, still am a Catholic, and one of the Latin Mass 
rent, you know, chapels that are out on their own. The Vatican was taken over uh, by our, my faction across, you know, there's a minority of people across the world that are Catholics. We believe with strong evidence that the Vatican was taken over literally in 1958, literally taken over by the Rothschilds and the international bankers at the hijacked 1958 conclave. Now, since then, the Jesuits are just like the Vatican. They are uh, the leaders are in service of the New World Order, including these what I view as anti popes Paul VI, 1963 to 78, John Paul II, 1978 to 2005, Benedict, 2005, 2012, to 2012 or 13, and Francis, who's like a comical figure between 2013 and now. So, in that sense, yes, the Jesuits, but before that, uh, the Jesuits were a strong force against the new world order. The Vatican was a strong force against the new world order. Um, H.G. Wells and um, uh, Alice Bailey, one, one of the, the occult lady, I can't remember her name now. They both wrote things in the forties saying, if Pius XII and the Catholic church doesn't fall into line, we're going to have to bomb Rome. And I, there's a whole 13 hour presentation on this by my, a friend of mine, Gary Jeffrey in, in Texas and uh, tons of information. So I just wanted to mention that we, we we probably shouldn't get diverted on that tonight, but I'd be glad to uh, discuss it, well, tonight or any other night. But I do think that this idea that the Jesuits are right now running things all over the world or have been at any time uh, is not, is, does, not, does not hold up when you actually see who's in charge of the five networks, who's in charge of the uh, Federal Reserve. And, and then I've, when I've debated this with people uh, off you know, off off camera, you might say, or off campus, they will eventually say, well, the Jesuits are so clever, they don't leave any fingerprints anywhere. And that is just not human nature. The, the Rothschilds and their minions, they've left fingerprints everywhere, even though the media is not going to tell people and 99% of the people in the country or 95% or whatever it is, have no clue what's happening. So I I, I just want to mention that if if people want to hear a debate, uh, Michael Collins Piper, the late Michael Collins Piper, died last year. He debated uh, Eric John Phelps on a show about 15 years ago. It's about two hours, and it's worth listening to. And you can kind of listen to that and then start to make some of your own conclusions on who runs the – that debate was called Who Runs the World, the Jesuits or the Zionists? So anyway, uh, that's Robert. That's, Mike, that's, yeah, Robert. Let me make a quick comment on that. You go know, ahead. The, the pope. The pope. The yeah, and then we'll bring it real, real quick. A little program, you know. Yeah, well, go ahead, Doctor Tolbert. Because you know, just bond. We're going to bring in Susan, and then eight zero four. I do see you like to chime in. Uh, I'll be meeting you in the green room soon. Just get your name into what state you're in, and then uh, we will get you into the show. I do see other callers. Push the one on your number dial. Uh, when you get into the show in about ten minutes, we uh, could be going over to our other topic. But if you'd like to still stay on this one, uh, you guys run the show. So we'll go ahead, and I, I just try to moderate some things here. Uh, but we'll go ahead yeah. and uh, do it that way, and then let's go ahead and bring it back to you, Dr. Colbert. All right, just real quick is, number one, the current pope is the first Jesuit pope that we've had. Number two, the pope, uh, I'm, I was a Catholic until 1999. I am now a pastor in a 501C and retired military. The Pope okay. just bowed down and kissed the rings of all of the men that you just mentioned. They did not kiss the Pope's ring. The Pope right. just came out and said the problems in the world today are the Christians and not the uh, 
the Muslim or Sharia law. So when right. we take a position and we look at the big picture of the UN, the one world power, uh, the Rothschilds and everything else, it, like you said, it's a show all by itself. But there's many conflicts right now that people aren't aware of that could take us into a different perspective. But you do have the first pope that is a, a truly a Jesuit. And you do True. have the fact that yesterday he kissed all the rings of all those bankers that you just mentioned that yes. he bowed down to them instead of them bowing down to him. So where's the conflict? Yeah, well, I agree with all that you've just said. Just, I just want to make a note that those of us who are, consider ourselves traditional Catholics or Catholics as they've been for the last centuries uh, just call these men since 1958 anti-popes instead of popes. But I agree with everything that the doctor just said, Robert. So. Yeah. Well, man, I I what, when we, when we I, start talking I, about popes I, I, and I, things I, of that nature, it makes me glad I'm a Druid. But let's go ahead. And, and let's go ahead and bring in Susan. And, and maybe not, of course, not next week, because uh, as folks who are regular listeners on the show know, and, and it's unfortunate, uh, but be that as it may, uh, we will not be having a, a show next week, but we will be having a show after that. That perhaps we can carry on with uh, this discussion with, that you two gentlemen are talking on the next show. I will be, of course, out of town. I'm going out to Nebraska to uh, watch the solar eclipse and looking for a much needed. Uh, vacation, uh, so I will be taking uh, next week off, and, and but I will be back uh, the next week, and so that means uh, uh, Bard's Logic will be back. So let's go ahead and bring in Susan. Uh, area code eight hundred four will be in the green room shortly. If I could just get your name and your state, and let's go ahead and welcome Susan. Thank you very much, Susan, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm alive and kicking. <laughs> well, that's um, a good way to start the day, Susan. On his thing with the Pope, when the Pope was defeated and conquered and had to stand outside with a bared head, uh, you know, nothing on it, in the cold and with no shoes on or anything, uh, that's when the uh, downfall started and then they plotted to bring back the power. And it was through the Jesuits that they did so. Um, so I believe behind the scenes, they're, they're very like the blind men with the elephant, the trunk, the tail. Oh, well, this is going to be the, you know, they can adjust in any way, shape, or form to make it look as if they are a certain way. They have the power. And all will bow to them eventually. Um, well, not all. There's some that won't. But um, uh, about uh, the... I've got some good news. Robert, if you don't know this, you will do a dance. Okay. Um, Mitch McConnell, Roy, uh, uh, Judge um, Roy Moore, he defeated Mitch McConnell, all the, the stuff they were throwing against him, um, multi-million dollar attack. Uh, but because there was nine of them in the race. They have got. Um, they'll have to do a runoff between the top two. But other than that, he actually did run. He won for the Senate in Alabama, the primary. So I was so glad of that. So September 26th is the runoff election uh, for the 
because nobody got more than 50% of the vote, no, no candidates. So um, they're going to pour a lot of money into helping him, into helping his uh, opponent. And so if anybody's from Alabama, make sure you help your guy because uh, he will join Rand and Mike Lee and Cruz and all of them in, in, in fighting, you know, against the establishment. Um, yeah, Mike Lee, yeah, Rand Paul and Ted Cruz. Uh, so uh, Mitch McConnell will not be happy about that because he knows that Judge Moore is wanting to fire him if he gets in, <laughs> which would make me very, very happy. So uh, I just I didn't know if you'd heard that. Yeah, uh, Robert, I just want to say I'm as happy as Susan is. I couldn't believe it when I saw that Roy Moore had won so so by such a large margin last night. That was a big news. He's a man that is truly for America, and uh, all I, I surely everyone should help him. But all Roy Moore needs to do to win is to say I don't trust these computer counts. I want an open count of the vote. And he will win. Uh, if he doesn't say that, they may pour in enough money, put on enough commercials, and pretend like he's defeated by simply changing the votes in the computer. But there's no way that in Alabama, Roy Moore loses to this squishy squish Mike uh, Mitch McConnell lookalike. So uh, I, I'm going to try to contact Roy Moore's office and people that know Roy Moore. All he's got to do is do what Trump said and say, I want to see the open ballots. I don't want these secret computer counts, and they won't dare to defeat him because it will cause the whole state and the whole country to start, again, questioning the computer system. You do that. I, he has a pair of brass ones, like McConnell. <laughs> yeah. So that'll be good. It would be awesome to have him. Okay, dead air. <laughs> Robert, are you there? I I hope we I hope we didn't lose Robert. He's usually on the computer monitoring what other people are doing at this time. I so see. You, you'd have to continue to talk between you. Okay. <laughs> uh, did he? Did he? Who did? Did he? I guess he was going to bring somebody else in, but I don't know who it was. Well, I thought it was someone. I didn't think it was a talker. I thought it was someone. Oh, by the way, Fox News is in for another sexual harassment shakeup. <laughs> oh my God! That's yeah, the next part. Of, the next part of his show is going to be about the uh, Charlottesville issue and how George Sawyer and the individuals from the Obama administration actually took over and caused the riots and how this is again the international banking system trying to cause disruptions and take down things in America. So that will be the next part of his show. I see. Trying to take down everything. Well, that's right. And a lot of people don't know that how there are now petitions against George Sawyer's and his treasonable effects and how he is tied into the major, and in fact, George has in six different countries, uh, he's banned it from countries, and how we in the United States have not uh, taken away his citizenship because he's a naturalized citizen, and how he has actually violated the Constitution 
And then when we get into the fact that George Sawyer's money is what's behind Black Lives Matter, it's also the money behind in the demonstrations that went into other uh, states over the last 18 months, even when Obama was the president. And then how uh, the guy that did the demonstration and took down the statues actually was part of the Obama administration's supporters. So as we get into, you know, everything just talked about North Korea and we look at the disruption and the separation of what's going on in the United States and the banking systems, we have to realize that everything that's happening, there's a big picture. So we can look at North Korea as one picture. We can look at Venezuela as a picture. We can look at Charlottesville as a picture. But it's all tied into the same exact pictures. Uh, we can get into the Clintons that are that have sent the uranium uh, to Russia through uh, their uh, Clinton Foundation. Uh, there are so many things that the American public are being deceived about that we're not even uh, being informed. For example, 25 states, the computers are owned by George Sawyer's, and Bill Gates builds the uh, uh, computer chips. And now Bill Gates is going against uh, uh, Donald Trump. Um, we, we can go into the fact that Romney owns uh, the percentage of, I think he owns it in seven states. Uh, we can get into the fact that the computers today can be programmed where people think they win the election and they don't because of what happened when I ran for the governor and I watched how 1.4 million votes got switched over to uh, Rick Scott in order for Rick Scott to win the election because he was behind and he couldn't win. So everything that's happening throughout the United States, throughout the worlds and powers, the American people aren't being briefed. They're not being told. And you have a president and my long-term goal is that because my resume is the White House, but real, real quick, Dr. Tolbert, real, real quick, Dr. Tolbert, uh, I am back from the green room. I apologize for my absence. I was uh, yeah, working. Oh, go ahead, let you finish, got- Dr. Tolbert. But I do want to uh, bring in after yourself. I do want to, and I do see uh, John. John getting wanting to get in. Uh, Cindy getting in. We have plenty of time. We got almost two hours left. But I definitely want to get in our next person after you, Dr. Tolbert. And that's uh, why I was uh, take it so long to get back. It has a fascinating conversation. Uh, with our friend Hugh uh, from Virginia, uh, who we're going to be bringing on the line very shortly. Uh, very, uh, so that's what kept me. I apologize, but it was, to be honest, it was well worth it. This, this, this guy's uh, going to amaze you. Uh, so let's go ahead and uh, finish finish off uh, Dr. Tolbert, and then we're going to bring in Hugh. Go ahead. Yeah, and my comment, uh, Robert, was I was talking because I knew you were talking in the green room, and so I was just carrying you into – where are you going with the appreciate next it. part of your show? Go ahead and take it over. Well, I appreciate it, Dr. Tolbert. And, yes, and we will get to the uh, the next part, and you know, you know, in our other two segments. But uh, let's – you know, we'll just do as we do always, and that's, you know, the organic nature of the show and just go with the flow. And that being said, let's go ahead and bring in Hugh. Thank you very much, Hugh, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I appreciate you giving me a little bit of time tonight because it's – critical for this country and for the world to really come to a new understanding of how we've been victimized since the beginning to control, conquer, and divide. Uh, Briefly, 
I'm going to be 73 next month. I'm a Vietnam-era veteran. Happy birthday. And I've had a very bizarre life. I've had UFO, paranormal, near-death experiences. And I heard some of the panel saying they were Catholic. I was raised Catholic. I'm not a practicing Catholic, but I do thank them for introducing me to Jesus Christ. That's where I put all my faith and belief and whatever I can't handle. I let go and let God and the name of Jesus, and it always works out. And I gave the a gentleman who had me in the green room a, a, a Facebook page with a website on it. I hope he'll be able to share that so you can start going down the rabbit hole with me. I actually share common background with President Trump, but I'm not into the ego like he is. And my last name does have global recognition in the food service field. Charleston refrigerators are in Trump hotels or even in the White House kitchens are all over the world. I'm the firstborn child of the founder and did work for the company years ago. I've had all kinds of different jobs, high level, low level, and in between. It was all meant to be. I've been set up in all kinds of things. I'm also a former whistleblower. I was written up in a front page Wall Street Journal article in 1983 that can be seen on the site. I gave the call screener, and that article triggered an investigation that eventually led to the resignation of Jim Wright from Speaker of the House in shame. The article beautifully describes how special interests and lobbyists have totally corrupted Washington, and it was before Ross Perot talked about it back in the day, and it was a, an attempt that was the SNL banking scandal. So they've been attempting to collapse the economy at many different times, and I keep looking back to that time frame when that happened with Jim Wright, because that's where everything started shifting big time with total media control and more and more uh, technologies getting into our personal lives to spy on us. So I even say, <laughs> if you think you're watching your TV, it's the opposite. The TV's watching you. So be careful how you walk in front of it, whatever you're wearing. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> there, there, there are solutions that I'm bringing forth with a network of people that I have that the global elites cannot stop. And so I don't talk about what they're doing so much. I'm not, I, I want them to be in fear of me, and they are. And when you, again, you'll see that I've been set up and even arrested from my bed. And because of my faith in letting go and letting God, it was a corrupt police sergeant who set me up behind the scenes. He's dead as well as some of the other gossipers. And on one radio show to show I have no fear, I said, look, God has harmonics, which are sound waves. When they come, you can be a global elite sitting on your yacht in the Mediterranean sipping a pina colada. You may spontaneously combust or explode. The same thing if you're in an underground bunker somewhere because God's harmonics will go where God wants them to go. They can change their ways and live a little longer if they start doing the right thing by caring and sharing with people. The host of the show said to me, aren't you afraid of retribution? I said, retribution for what? I didn't do anything wrong. They did. If they have a hitman take me out, I'll eat the hitman's brains out from the spirit world. It'll be quite painful. I'll be more gentle on him than the guy who hired him. I'm still saying it for years. So the hell with them and look out because God is the ultimate judge. And if people pray in the right way, if that's all they can do, it will help raise the consciousness. The transparency is coming. I have strategies that will eventually transform global economics, education, 
politics, religion, and more. They can't get away from it. It's gonna the money trails will be followed, and it'll cause a second storming of the Bastille. I say this: any company too, if you can have the best product, the best customer service, it's no longer enough. You have to be good to your employees, your customers, the environment, and give back to the uh, community in ethical, legal, moral, transparent ways. When people realize election day is not certain days, but every single day you buy a product, uh, that's where things will shift to. So if you're buying lead-based painted toys out of China through Walmart, your kids don't have a choice, but you do. So look at who you're buying from. A lot of people don't even know a few years back, Walmart paid a fine of $82 million for dumping pesticides down storm drains. They paid the fine. They moved on. It's in and out of the consciousness of people. But those kinds of things with social media still in place, they can't handle it. All the big corporations internally, a couple of years back, I spoke with a former CEO of Shell Oil in the brief conversation. I threw something out just to see his reaction. I say, you got middle managers in these big corporations. You think they're loyal to the company. How do you know they're not sitting at their workstations, brokering business opportunities to enrich themselves, their friends and their families? He said, it's already happening. I said, good. Because if employers and companies are looking uh, at their uh, employees as liabilities, they're the ones that are going to fail the fastest. Well, definitely. And that website that uh, he's referring to is you can find it now on the Barge Logic Political Talk page here on Facebook. Uh, and that is rootingoutcorruption.weebly.com. Uh, if you go there, which I have, uh, there's going to see a ship with a Kraken that looks like uh, uh, reached up to, to grab it and pull it down. Um, but you do see uh, there was also a link for creativity777.com. And if you go to the right where it says more, there will be a drop-down where you can go to the different pages on the website. And, again, that's rootingoutcorruption.weebly.com. And so I also uh, want to give another site, if I may, that's on there just so that uh, people can pull this up. It really shakes people up a little bit, too. Uh, This is a website related to the Catholic Church I was married in. It's the letters S. M like Michael W A dot org. And when you go onto that website in the headings, if you click on where it says miraculous photos, uh, if you scroll down, there's one that you'll come across that has the face of the devil close up, supposedly. That really shakes people up because they say, you know, there's more dimensions than you're aware of. <laughs> what you see, even your hand, if you put it under a powerful microscope, it's not as solid as you think or whatever. So uh, that uh, that uh, even uh, the seer related to that whole website has passed, but she said Satan's right at the top of the Catholic Church, and I think she's probably right. And I'd like to just say something, Robert. You know, I'm a retired master sergeant. I served in Vietnam, and I just turned 75. And then God brings us into the ministry, and I can totally agree on what our what our last speaker just said, that there are just so many unknown factors, and that if we don't take men like myself and, and the speaker who have reached a position in life that we need to expand upon our background and our knowledge, and we need to bring this forth, the restructure of America back into the Constitution. So here I am, a retired master sergeant, a Catholic until 1999, now no denomination, 
you know, with a resume sitting on the office and hopefully be able to redirect that our retired military under the new choice program, under the new things that Donald Trump is doing and the articles that we write under calledtoduty.org is just as relevant. So everything that comes together is because God is calling people like your speakers to get out there and return America back to the Constitution. Uh, Robert, this is Jim Condon in Cincinnati. I just wanted to throw out a website for our our last two speakers who have contributed sure. to the show, and especially since they were both raised Catholic, and for everyone else, too. The website is whitesmoke1958.com. That's whitesmoke1958.com. It talks about that white smoke came up on October 26, 1958, out of the 1958 conclave, but no pope emerged. And then two days later, the banker's man, John Twenty-Third, dubbed by the media Good Pope John, emerged. And so the Catholic Church has been taken over. Uh, you, I think the last speaker says that Satan is atop of the Vatican. This is true right now. And we who are still believing Catholics believe that the uh, Catholic Church, the Vatican, will be retaken by a true pope and and work with world leaders. Now, if the but I can understand, uh, you know, people who were never raised Catholic and people that are raised Catholic, they might say, well, wait a minute, you're just making excuses. The Catholic Church is a human institution; it's finally collapsing. I can understand that point of view. Uh, that could be the way to view what's happening. However. If we see those of us who are still alive, suddenly the Vatican be taken over again by godly men and a pope that's building up humanity, it'll be in a very dramatic way, and then people can at least consider the information that is white smoke on whitesmoke1958.com. And I believe that is what will happen. Many prophecies talk about this happening, a, 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 a period of great upheaval may be right ahead of us here. Uh, but then uh, it will it will end in some period of peace before the end of the world. But anyway, White Smoke 1958 for your consideration. dot com. White White Smoke 1958 dot com. Thank you. Robert. And, and you know, yeah, and you know, the Pope just predicted he would be the last Pope under the prophecies, also, and that just came out just recently. And you know, I taught Marriage Encounter and I taught West Point uh, as part of the Catholic Church before. I got called into the ministry in 1999. So there's a lot of uh, foundation that our people that are Catholic backgrounds are not aware of. And so I find it interesting that all the speakers tonight have a background in understanding the direction. And we need to keep the churches, which is ourselves, because biblically we are the churches. We need to keep us in prayer to bring God back into where we're supposed to be. So it's not about a religion, but it's about the Trinity and about God itself. That's exactly and, and, and right. And I just wanted to say that uh, the, the way I believe, and I say this so that I don't offend anybody, I say that, and I learned this from my business partner who I told the gentleman about, Jesus said two things on how to live your life properly. Number one, Always put God first. Number two, love your neighbors yourself. If you just focus on those two things in your life and bring it into your family, into your community, and ripple it out, eventually the wars will stop and we'll embrace our differences and learn from each other. The, the beautiful things that we have lost through the indigenous peoples that have been passed down for thousands of years can 
maybe still some of that come to heal the earth, and, and uh, they're never going to have what they had before the white man came to North America again. But uh, we can manifest technologies for the betterment of all, and some of the Tesla stuff should be probably brought back up so we all have free energy. And if there is such a thing as a teleportation, imagine stepping into a, a portal in New York and being in Los Angeles in a few seconds or something. So if that stuff's being suppressed, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing too, because it's uh, – and leaving a legacy. That's what – we're here to help each other. I think that we all incarnate to learn – the lesson of unconditional love, which my uh, earth angel wife taught me so beautifully. We were married 35 and a half years until she passed in January 2007. You'll see a picture of her on her wedding day on the blog, creativity777.com. The poem I dedicated to her titled, Caring Sharing is Discussed as a Weapon Against Terrorism, in the interview on that site. It's in the President Ronald Reagan Library. Maya Angelou even commented on my poem, and currently I'm looking to utilize it in a whole new way to help the people of Haiti who can't help themselves and to show people how just helping somebody you may never meet uh, through the technologies available will be a blessing back to you. Well, here, and, and, and thank you very much, and, and give you kind of a, a rundown on how the show goes, is we do our roundtable discussion, so anyone who calls it to the show, uh, we do leave their mics open. Uh, of course, everyone here has always been, uh, I can't say always, there's been a few very far between, uh, but for, for very much the most part, everyone is very respectful of that, because uh, one of my pet peeves is talking over each other, and we, we rarely do it, every great once in a while, uh, but so we will keep your mic on, we uh, and we will bring things back to you. I definitely want to keep you on the show. Uh, but we do have uh, some other callers who'd like to chime in. And I've got uh, – here's how the direction will do it is we've got uh, – and we'll do it in order of, of people calling. Uh, but we have Cindy on the line, and then uh, we have you, Kelly, and then John – I mean, I'm sorry, Cindy, and then John, and then Kelly uh, on the line. Uh, and we'll go ahead and get you in. And you can either talk about uh, anything we've heard here or a new topic. I do have an audio clip we are going to play uh, later, and that's about uh, what uh, Jesse Waters has in anal- his analysis uh, on the five yesterday on you know Trump coming out and his comments on what happened in Charlottesville. And so we, you know we, we'll get to that, and you know, we'll play that audio. It's only about three minutes long, and then we'll you know start that uh, topic of this evening as well. But let's go ahead first. And hear from our other three callers. And as you see other people out there, if you'd like to chime in, give us a call at 347-945-7428. And if you'd like to get to the show, just push the one on your number dial, and I'll get you into the green room as well, get uh, your name where you're calling from. And so that being said, let's go ahead and welcome uh, Cindy. Thank you very much, Cindy, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Well, um, I'm, I'm doing pretty good, Robert. Um, I, uh, just been kind of listening here. I've, and my dad's sick, so I haven't had a whole lot of time to no, investigate. No, Yeah, well, one of those things that comes with age. Anyhow, um, I wanted to mention a couple of things. Well, first of all, um, Dr. Tolbert, I think you kept saying George Sawyer's. It's Soros, isn't it? Isn't that who you were talking about? That's correct. Okay. Well, uh, you know, 
And the reason I wanted to to comment on that, um, on him, was because um, now you guys should know who, um, um, hang on a minute. Do you remember Joanne Moretti, Robert? She um, she was kind of part of the Sammy Samford crowd, I think, for a while. What was her name? Anyway, Joanne Moretti. She wasn't involved in our letter writing campaign, but I think she got on the show a few times. She knows about you, I think. So anyway... Um, she put a, a a post today on Facebook that says, wherever there was a lime green ball cap or shirt, there was an action scene. Um, and uh, she said she's been studying the videos and stills of all the um, Charlottesville stuff. And at each scene where there was an action, whether it was fights or the crash, there were people in the crowds wearing lime green ball caps or lime green shirts. They seemed to be giving orders. Several had clipboards. There were also a few men in red caps and red golf shirts on videos giving orders and directions to people on which way to run. Um, and it was also commented somewhere that it would that it was um that it was Soros slimy signature. And so I wanted to just bring that out because I know Soros is um, very involved in the demise of the United States and he definitely was involved in this little incident the other day. And I just wanted to make a couple of comments. Um, first of all, the, the people who were there that were protesting the protesters, um, they had they 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 were pretty much Black Lives Matters and Antifa. Now, um, people people, if you look at the news, and all you see is that they are anti-fascist protesters. In other words, they were there to protest the fascist neo-Nazis, okay? So you had the neo-Nazis, which were supposedly the bad guys, and then you had the anti-fascists that were supposedly the good guys. Okay, well, I don't... I'm sure that you guys have figured this out, (laughs) that those weren't either side was not good uh the good guys. It was Black Lives Matters and Antifa on the one side and the Nazis on the other side and both were hell bent on violence. And the fact that the police stood by and allowed it to happen um is very telling and um you have to look at the the i mean people have been talking about the mayor of the town you know getting involved and and telling the police to stand down and stuff like that 
But basically, I, I don't think that any of us need to be starting to feel sorry for any of them um, on the basis that somebody was the good guy and somebody was the bad guy. Now, I feel bad for Heather Hayer, who was the one who, the, the lady who died. Um, but basically, when I read about her and what her friends said about her, I get the feeling that she was just the typical um, snowflake. I mean, I hate to, you know, say something bad about someone who's dead because that's not very nice. But she basically, and it, the, the sad thing about her death is that she got hooked up with people who she thought were passionate about the disenfranchised like she is. But that's not who any of those people are. And um, she was basically, here, here's what her friends described her as, a passionate advocate for the disenfranchised who was often moved to tears by the world's injustices. That sense of conviction led her to join the demonstrators protesting a rally of right, white nationalists. We, and a friend of hers said, we were just marching around, spreading love, and then the accident happened. In a split second, you see a car, and then you see bodies flying. Now, marching around, spreading love is not what I see on any of the videos that I looked at. Um, and I wonder, I mean, real quick, I'm going to interject. You know, I don't do it much, and I, and I won't make this long. Is a thought that's been going through my mind, and I don't know if this is the case, and it probably isn't, okay? But the way the media is, of that nature, you know, would they accuse this guy of just running over people arbitrarily? A part of me, I don't know how big of a part of me, is, is wondering, was this guy just trying to get away? Was this guy just trying to get out of the chaos? Was he just trying to get out of there because of all the violence going on? Okay, go ahead. That, that, that question well, is kind of going from, through my head, but go ahead. From the eyewitnesses that I've heard about, which you really can't trust any of those eyewitnesses because they were all biased in one way or another. So I don't know who to believe, but the people that I saw that commented on that, and if you look at the video, um, he obviously was not even trying Slow. I mean, he had a, he had other ways out of there. There was empty space behind him. He could have escaped his situation. Oh, okay. Backwards. Okay. okay. In well, fact, that, that is how he That's how he did escape. He escaped by punching it and going backwards, dragging his bumper all the way down the road. And there was no one to stop him back that way. It was definitely an on-purpose thing. Um. Okay. <laughs> Demon possession is kind of how what I blame it on, but anyway, um, there 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 was no um, love out there on either side. Poor little snowflakes like this girl who got killed had no business being out there um, because that's not what those people are about. And she, somehow I don't know who got her into that, but uh, she she didn't belong there, and. Most of the people who were injured that day were part of the Black Lives Matters groups or the Anifas. And anyway, so I just I just wanted to point that out, and I wanted to to go back a second. Uh, Y'all talked about that um, Congressman Brooke, uh, 
Cong- Congressman, um, um, no, I'm sorry, Judge Roy Moore getting into the runoff of the Senate rates in Alabama. And um, the, the Senate conservatives, Ken Cuccinelli, uh, his group, um, were, were supporting Congressman Brooks, Mo Brooks. And he had begun to surge. And then somehow or other, Mitch McConnell got to President Trump. And President Trump came out and endorsed Luther Strange, which is the yeah, which the is McConnell strange. guy, okay? Um, mm-hmm. And I was very, very disappointed at that. I would much rather have seen Brooks and Moore um, uh, up against each other than this idiot. And I am just hoping that, you know, because I, I see what's going to happen here is he left Roy Moore alone because he thinks that he can beat Roy Moore. I'm saying McConnell thinks that he can beat Roy Moore. I'm, you know, I see a whole lot of money being shoved at um, Strange's uh, campaign oh, yeah. against Moore, mm-hmm. and he could end up uh, in the in the Senate or at least running against whoever. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so I, I'm real disappointed about that, and the most disappointing thing about it was how. Um, the pre- President Trump coming in at the last minute and putting a halt on, because this guy Brooks was really whipping it up. I mean, he had surged uh, quite a bit in the polls and was on his way up before um, Trump came in there. Now, see, when we talked about this last week or the week before, I can't remember, about how Trump needs to come to the rescue of these conservative candidates and come out I and endorse the conservative right and come out and endorse the conservative against the elitist and to me he did exactly the opposite of what he should have done in that case and if that's the way it's going to be in 2018 we have big problems on the horizon and his his agenda has big problems on the horizon and yeah, I, I, I mean, it's like he's wonder. voting. It's, it's like he, it's like he endorsed against himself. Exactly. Yeah. And and as far as Venezuela is concerned, um, a, a while back, the uh, Venezuelan people, basically, you want to call them freedom fighters, were on their way to regaining control of their country until some U.S. banks bailed out their, the regime, the communist regime. Goldman Sachs was at the top of the list. Tens of millions of dollars bought uh, Venezuelan bonds um, to keep the regime afloat. So um, I don't know what, and now um, I don't know if it was Dr. Tolbert or um, Mr. Condit who said that um, the Russians and the Chinese were getting involved there in, in uh, Venezuela. But I, I just don't know what President Trump can do with those bankers backing everything uh, communism that they can back. And, um, you know, I I guess it was, um, uh, yeah, Condon's uh, beginning, you know, where you you did your kind of like dissertation, uh, Jim, at the beginning. That was awesome and full of truth, um, but so sad because... Uh, it sounds like 
this whole thing is all wrapped up and there really isn't anything that we can do about it. Um, uh, I know that the, the last gentleman that came in that said, you know, he had a plan. Um, I'd like to know what that plan is because I don't know how you can fight those banks. I don't know how you can fight, um, you know, billionaires by the tens of billions uh, all over the pla- the planet that are working against us, trying to make us into their slaves. Um, if, if there's uh, a plan, I'll get on it, but I, I don't know. Jay, would you like to answer to that real, real quick? Yes. Uh, I have something I call a Y-Pod, and it was given to me in a spiritual way. And I give the basic concept free to all mankind, and all technologies can be used for good or evil, but with the way this is being established, uh, if you do attempt to use it for evil, you will eventually be found out. So uh, the white pot in the simplest form can be an index card file that you empower and give value to by how you interact and network with it. On the internet, it can be a, a blog, a, a website, a social media application, those can be portals to sophisticated computer-coded databases of pre-qualified opportunities that you control until your network is ready to ripple them out globally, and it will take away from all the things that the elites are doing and, again, force more and more transparency onto them as the money trails are, are followed. Uh, I have... Uh, things immediately available through different people that I'm interacting with. Um, The young lady can look at my business partner's website. I would like to give a a quick little bio on him for the panel so that they have a full grasp of who he is. His website is attractingabetterlife.com and his name is Dr. Ed Maloney. He's on LinkedIn. He's in Orlando, Florida. Dr. Maloney's a true American hero at age 13. He was national martial arts champion. He's former special ops Green Beret captain from the Vietnam War who did the suicide missions behind the enemy lines that not too many people came back from. His father was a New York federal judge. Uh, Dr. Maloney in his background was former internal affairs police for the whole state of Florida for about eight years and worked on the Ted Bundy serial killer case. He has three doctorates. He's a clinical psychologist for over 40 years, has a doctorate in religion, a doctorate in theology, a Bible expert, an expert in the law of attraction. And he uh, paid for his three doctorates with his own rock and roll band. He toured the world and actually performed at Woodstock. He's authored three books and has a blog talk radio program called Focus Change with Dr. Ed that's based on the law of attraction, and his wife is also a psychologist and an ordained minister. And to show you how spirituality works, I first came into contact with him back in 2011 through his radio program, and after speaking with him for about a year, it turns out we were in the same high school together. I was a boarding student. He was a day student. He's a couple of years older than me. And our paths didn't cross back then, but they've come together now in a very powerful way to really be a blessing to people and get this country back on track in the way it was meant to be.
And uh, again, with my last name recognition, I am looking for people that have businesses that can learn the uh, and implement the strategies that Dr. Maloney and I can put together. I have something on the site, if you look where it says uh, a video transforming the world, it is actually possible now for any business to teach their customers how to get the money back uh, for the money they spend on products and services, make more money on top of that, and benefit the host company teaching them that with growing passive income. So that's where it's going to really mess up things. And all these people that are doing the fast food jobs that want the $15 an hour, they can take part in passive income strategies already available. Uh, and Dr. Moni has two right on his site. One is actually related to a vitamin supplement that can help improve your health. And another one is sort of involved with the Bitcoin. I'm not involved in either one of those, but I am more interested in empowering women and indigenous people and, and really shifting the whole way we think and do things all around the world. So especially to the leaders, uh, if people will just even saying prayers will raise the consciousness because God's in charge of everything and he'll put the ego in check where it needs to be in these communist countries. When we start cooking with our creativity in this country, there are people who are going to want more and more of what we have. So uh, it's it, when you, so are you again, saying, are you saying that we're going to make this change through um, the, the efforts to uh, be more prosperous, that the people are going to be more prosperous and therefore more powerful? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Yes, by understanding how to be empowered by what we can do. We don't control, we empower. So we can guide you, but you have to do some work. You can't just sit there and say, okay, I put some money into this. Where, where's my big return on the investment, like the stock market? The stock market's all propped up, but that's going to crash again, believe me. Uh, so uh, if you have your money tied up in that, I would get it out and invest in yourself, invest in your community, invest in things that you know are good. Yeah, and Robert, yeah, um, I'd like to make a comment about the show you had last week with Kathy Anderdrawn, and it's called the, the web link braverymovie.com and we got behind Kathy mm -hmm. now and her production and the mass media and I think what is being said tonight is that we need to take back the mass media and through these different programs, movies and studios that we overcome all the Who's beeping? Somebody's so, car. Braverymovie.com no, okay. <laughs> BraveryMovie.com, I think, is important that everybody goes back and looks at it again. Uh, it goes in line about uh, the Christian power to teach our children, to re-educate them through the electronic devices, uh, through the multimedia, and us taking back the web links. That's exactly right. Well, and we got to get in, I say, Bob off of our backs, too, um, what what they've done through, um, you know, these false flag occurrences and, and uh, as Rahm Emanuel says, never letting a good crisis go to waste, they have been able to institute these, um, 
you know, spying techniques on, on the people. And until that um, stops... Jim, your line's back uh, on. Go ahead. Yeah, and, and until you get lost, NSA, NSA, Bob... Um, our yeah. country's not going to be our, our country's not going to be able to um, get back online. Can I just jump on the politics for a second, if I may? Sure. Yeah, sure. Because go ahead. Edison Bob has been following us Here again, being proactive. <laughs> every, everybody has these camera phones today. I'd say every time you interact with any politician, you keep telling them, especially when they're campaigning, say to him every single time you meet him, don't you tell me what you're going to do for me once you're elected. You tell me right here and now what you're going to do for this community, for the state, for the country. And the people have the answers. Let the politicians interact with the people properly and represent them properly. And those are the ones you put in office. And then you hold them to what they promised that they would do in ethical, legal, moral, transparent ways. And as they're campaigning, they can implement some of the strategies to get the cash that they need for the campaign. It's so sad. I saw the piece on 60 Minutes a while back that these senators and congressmen that come into Washington are spending 30 hours a week raising funds. Well, how is that representing the people? Yeah. And it's Robert, not just, and it's not ending after yep. they get in office. They continue exactly. to raise money. Right. Uh, Cindy and Robert, this is Jim Condit in Cincinnati, yep. Jim Condit Jr. And I know we got others, but we have a very I'm, – I'm all for this law of attraction, which is one of the laws that God set up mentally for us to use. Like if you want your biceps to grow, you got to lift weights. If you want to bring good things into the world, you use the law of attraction to attract good things, and that's one of the law, mental laws God set up. But we have a very – I didn't mean to spread defeatism by showing the accomplishment of the bankers. We have a chance right now, <laughs> practically speaking, uh, to, to yeah, do Jim. something. If you go to um, uh, openlettertodonaldtrump.com, which is one of the websites we set up last year, there is a tab that says New Open Letter 2017, okay? And that gives the practical steps that Trump can do right now leading the country uh, it, it's practical steps. Like if we said, if you want to put money in the bank, you go down to the bank and go to a teller and put deposit in. They're, they're put your money in. That's, it's this practical. It's not something that is is uh, we're wait, You know, it, it's not something that relies only on prayer. Although I'm all for prayer. So if you go there, you'll find that we have. You know, and and this is another show probably. But I met and talked to Donald Trump for 40 seconds by the grace of God and handed him the sheet in February of 2016 in Iowa that he needed to bring up the, the, the dangers of the election being rigged against him, the dangers of computer fraud. And four months later, on August 1st in Columbus, Ohio, he started to bring that up in every speech. Robert Jetter, our mm-hmm. host, passed it to Virgil Good, and hopefully that was one of the factors that also got him to eventually bring up the computer fraud on October 26th. So, but this is the precinct project where if and only President Trump can do it. If he would call for his supporters to enter the Democratic and Republican parties at the neighborhood precinct level by 2018 and 2020, we could go in there, overthrow the party leaders legally and constitutionally by the uh, elections that are held every two years in the major parties in each county. We could overthrow the party leaders, 
change the people that are being endorsed for Congress, change the Congress, and by 2020, if not 2018, get rid of McConnell and, 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 and Ryan and these yeah, that'd traders. Be great. These traders, because what you see Trump doing now, he's trying to deal with the people that are in there, but they are more his, more his enemy than, 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 than uh, almost anybody else. These Republicans thwarting his agenda and thwarting the agenda of American people. So if you go, again, open letter to DonaldTrump.com, hit the tab, new, new is in all caps, new open letter 2017, tells about the precinct project, about restoring honest elections, and he's got that new Commission on Election Integrity. We need hand-counted paper ballots at the precinct, counted by mm-hmm. neighborhood people, no computers, no uh, machines, and then nobody can centrally rig it. And then when you change the Congress, you are, the bankers need to be arrested. Trump could do that not waiting for this, but it would be an uproar. The bankers need to be arrested by Congress. The Fed needs to re- be replaced with an open, honest monetary system. And all the federal judges who are anti-American communists or have sold out to the New World Order, they, they need to be impeached, including about five or six of the Supreme Court justices. And, the, and Howard Phillips, who founded the Constitution Party... You're, you're breaking up there, Jim. Okay, Howard Phillips, who used to be in the Const- uh, founder of the Constitution Party, used to always point out that these processes were all in place, okay? So we, these are practical plans. Open letter to DonaldTrump.com. Thank you, Robert. Uh, you're welcome. And uh, real quick programming, and then we're going to bring in John, and we also have uh, Kelly to bring in, and we do see a couple more folks on the line. Uh, just push your number, uh, the one on your number dial. Uh, we'll get you into the show. Uh, for those out there listening, give us a call at 347 nine four five seven four two eight and if you're on the line now please do not let your phone hang up because after 15 actually 14 minutes now unfortunately you will not be able to get back to the show uh we definitely want to keep everyone here for uh the remainder of the program and so if you have to char- have your phone charged whatever uh make sure uh, that you do that because we'd hate to hate to lose you and so that would be in about 14 minutes i do see some other folks here that I do need to respond to there on Facebook, <laughs> so uh, they're messaging me there as well or, or making posts. So let's go ahead at this time. Uh, welcome, John. Uh, thank you very much, John, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Oh, I'm doing fine, thank you. How about yourself? Doing good, doing good. I'll be honest. I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, starting my vacation next week. It's, it's been over 10 months, so I'm, I'm ready for one. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. Uh, may you be safe in all your travels going to and fro, and all of you guys have a great time looking at the stars and the eclipse and all. Um, Thank you very much. There's a lot being unpacked in this show, and I appreciate all the wisdom and experience that each and every person's bringing to this conversation because it's so vitally important that we all continue to learn from each other and keep each other plugged in to be united. Because it seems like that we're running through this. It's we're in a phase of deception. It's like we got to be careful about everything. Because every time you turn around, it's like our congressmen and senators during campaign mode. They give us lip service. It sounds great, but every time they get elected and they get into office, they get either bought out or they flip their story or whatnot. And now they're doing stuff to, against our will without our consent, treating us like you know, represent us like a pimp represents a prostitute. 
But um, Miss Miss um, Susan had briefly said something to about Mike Lee, and I just wanted to point out if you go to C-SPAN, the 2016 RNC Rules Committee, halfway through that little committee, Mike Lee, you know, Senator Representative from uh, Utah, he's re- he's a Republican, he stood up and tried to convince everybody that your delegates get to vote their conscience because he wanted Ted Cruz to win, and he wanted everybody, all the delegates to just throw the Constitution to the side, don't listen to what your constituents' votes were, just go ahead and vote your conscience because he felt that, you know, they could get um, Ted Cruz in. Now, I don't have anything against Ted Cruz other than the fact that he's an illegal alien like Marco Rubio. Neither one of them are actually a legal citizen in my definition and understanding of the, the Constitution and, and our founding. But I'll, I wanted to point that out. So you can go to C-SPAN, look up the 2016 RNC Rules Committee, and you can see Mike Lee writes some great books about Constitution and stuff, but that's just lip service in my opinion. Now, one of the gentlemen's mentioned about this divide-and-conquer strategy and how we can overcome it. I think we have to look at the fact, too, that they're using every opportunity to create some kind of mind control and deception because just even this Charlottesville, Virginia thing, if you look at it, Trump stood up and said both sides have problems, both sides have good things. Not everybody there was a bad person. Not everybody there was a good person. That is constitutionally sound. But that doesn't mean everything Donald Trump says is constitutionally sound, like public-private partnerships and eminent domain running roughshod over property rights. That's not constitutional. But my point is on this um, Charlottesville, Virginia, uh, Virginia battle, the news media and all of these media people are flipping the script to make it an issue of race because the people that went down there were talking about a protest about statues and whether they should be there or not. Well, the people who wanted to tear those statues down without consulting the rest of we the people, they are saying that the rest of we the people are not equal and therefore we are not uh, eligible for the Article 4, Section 2 uh, constitutional rights that all citizens would receive the same privileges and immunities as the citizens in the several states. So that, number one, says that both sides of that issue could be unconstitutional, and Trump was trying, actually being reasonable. But the other point of this is the media is using psychological mind control manipulation in order to get us to start acting like Nazi Germany Hitler. Because think about what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said whenever they went after such and such group. And I wasn't a part of that group, so I didn't do nothing, and that group got you know, eliminated. Then they went after the other group, you know, whether it be Jews or whoever, and I wasn't a part of that group, so therefore, you know, they got rid of that group and I was still there. But then they finally came to me and took over my group and there was no other groups there to defend me. Well, the media and these corporate globalists are using this um, uh, Charlottesville, Virginia manipulation from a psychological standpoint, to get us to try to divide and conquer in our own mind who has the right to say what they want to say. In our government, we all are equal in the sense that if we are working by mutual assent, we're equal. 
if you allow the congressman to dictate to you burdens and encumbrances of governing, then that's divide and conquer already right there. So you are actually serving your own death sentence to yourself when you continue to allow the current fascist operation of our Constitution to continue to work. Because as long as any group can get centralized oligarchical dictatorship in our government, and they can dictate the burdens and encumbrances, you know, rules, laws, processes, and procedures of governing without your consent and against your will. You are a legislative slave. They coerce you. They extort you. They exploit you. You are nothing. I mean, we don't have a, a country. We don't have the Constitution. It's all a scam. Okay? Now, right now, we know that the Congress... If you, anybody watches C-SPAN and they're passing bills all the time, consolidating power, they're trading, they're giving authorization with, I mean, one bill that pops up my head because I don't have them all listed in front of me. I didn't know I was going to say this till I got on this call. But um, the, the last bill that I remember that they were talking about data sharing with even foreign intelligence services and stuff was SJ or SR34, I believe is what it was. And they're basically looking at your personal data and information as if it's the property of the state. You know, that fascist mentality that these oligarchical dictators get to dictate your property as their property without your consent. And so, therefore, we have to look at having my will and your will, our will, all mutually enacted, codified, and ratified into all law. Otherwise, it's not going to work. Because we get factions, factions don't like other factions pushing laws and burdens and encumbrances on them. They're going to rise up at some point and fight back. And that's what you see happening all throughout our country, everywhere you go. Black Lives Matter don't like certain things because they don't want to be burdened and encumbered by whatever those things are. Then um, neo-Nazis or whatever the white supremacist groups are, they don't like certain things because they don't like being burdened and encumbered against their will with their consent, and they rise up and fight. Every empire since the founding of all existence, since before the earth was you know, founded, has struggled through the same issue, and we have to recognize that none of us like to be burdened by somebody else beating us down and forcing us to be their legislative servants and we just got to do it but we got to take the next step in the evolution or not evolution i don't like using that word but in the in the growth of seeing the true founding of our the spirit of our country in the declaration of independence in the constitution that we all have the same privileges and immunities means we all get to decide the by freedom of contract, freedom of association, freedom of conscience, our own pursuit of happiness, which means that you determine the burdens and encumbrances of rules, laws, processes, and procedures of governing. Otherwise, you don't have the Constitution. Back to you, Robert. Well, instead of bringing it to myself, let's go ahead and instead we got about five minutes, so let's make sure we don't lose anyone on the call. Uh, we will keep you, uh, your folks in, and then I'm going to bring Kelly in, and then uh, if you'd like to chime in, you have to do it within the next five minutes. Hey, Robert, can I ask one last thing? I forgot. Uh, sure, what's that? And then I then I'm going to get Kelly in, then I got that audio clip uh, that I want to play with uh, Jesse Waters, uh, his analysis on Charlottesville. Go ahead. Yeah, I, there was just one couple things real quick. Remember Samsung TV, uh, one of the very first 
shows that I started talking on, Samsung TV, they have a voice command control system which is actually operated by a third-party person, and they can remotely activate the microphone on that television and listen at any time they want to anything you say. And it's not only it's live all the time. Otherwise, you can't give it voice commands to make your TV do what it wants you to do. And the third-party company could be collecting all of the content from that open microphone and selling it on the backside to whatever. But also, I wanted to ask these other fellows that brought up about the different prophecies about the Pope. Are they um, speaking about the Malachi prophecy and, and how much did they know about it? Or Malachi, I'm not sure how he pronounces it. Um, thank you. Brian, want to make brief comment on that? I think it's Malachi or Malachi. Is uh, anyone on the line want to make comment or, or answer that question before I bring in Kelly? Yeah, it is, it, real quick, this is Jim. Yes, it's the St. Malachi prophecies, which seem to be really clear up until Pius XII, who died in 1958. With the anti-popes and all that since then, it's very confused, although I, I was unaware, so Dr. Tolbert said it, that Francis is claiming that he will be the last pope. I hadn't heard that. Uh, but this, yeah, the Maliki prophecies are very confused because he didn't include all the anti-popes, but he did include some of them. So that's what uh, I think that's what everybody was referring to. Okay, and so let's go ahead and bring in Kelly, and I'm going to do uh, some green room uh, talking here. So if I'm out for a little bit, that's why. And then uh, let's go ahead and welcome our friend Kelly. Thank you very much, Kelly, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Hey, I'm doing great. Uh, hey, Robert, about that uh, quiet period where you nobody knew where you were. Just to let you know if yeah. you want to speak on Mars. Yeah, just to let you know if you want to speak on Mars. Mars logic. Just go and hit uh, one on the number dial. We'll get you in. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. And, uh, yeah, like, but I was just getting such an interesting conversation with you. I kind of lost track of. I'm like, oh my gosh, I gotta get back. <laughs> so it was, just, it was fascinating. So I was like, oh, I gotta get back in there because people were like, wonder where's our host? <laughs> so you know, it's it's like the guy you're looking yeah. around for hors d'oeuvres and you're like, where is he? Where'd he go? I'm hungry. Where'd you know? he go? <laughs> so, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I just had to give you a hard time about that. But. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, a lot of people are talking about a lot of things tonight. I mean. Um, well, there's some good news in Georgia. Mike Williams is running for governor, and he really—he was one of the first people to come out and support Trump. But he was uh, <clears throat> had a successful business with multiple chain stores and got disgusted with all the regulations in healthcare. He just sold his business, and then he went on the offensive and went ahead and just uh, ran for uh, state house senate. I believe and he won like 64 to 32. Very eloquent. And so he's running for governor. That'd be a good guy to get on the show, Michael Williams. Kind of like uh, how uh, Matt Bevins. Um, so maybe maybe, uh, maybe the show is a good luck charm for people wanting to be governors. Um, so anyway, yeah, one caller, he's got a website about corruption. Um, is he still on? Yeah. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Well, yeah. I'm Kelly Mordecai, and I want to ask, uh, so what's the name of your website again? I was a little distracted earlier, but well, if you go to the Facebook page, that's the best way. That way, you can leave a comment too, because I have somebody that handles it for me. But if you just Google my name, Hugh H U G H, Charlson is spelled T like Tom, R A U L 
S-E-N like Nancy, and then put Facebook profiles. The picture of me with my finger on a big marble ball or globe is what you click on. And where it says about, you'll see the site. It's rootingoutcorruption.weebly.com. And then oh, you'll be able to... Corruption.weebly.com. What is it again? Uh, www.rooting, R-O-O-T-I-N-G, out, O-U-T, corruption, C-O-R-R-U-P-T-I-O-N. Then you have to put a dot, the word Weebly. It's spelled W-E-E-B like boy, L-Y.com, C-O-M. Okay. Yeah, Weebly is a somewhat familiar site uh, or a host anyway. But, yeah, um, do you are you aware of the grand jury? In rooting out corruption? No, I uh, <laughs> I'm all over the map with my creativity, so I don't spend too much time in any one area. And as we're talking about laws being passed, we don't need more laws; we need more solutions. So I'd like to see all these lawyer, congressmen, and senator types the heck out of there and really get people in there that are the true backbone of this country, that really love the country and, and love what it represents. Well, the problem with attorneys, I mean, they can be pretty good, but it's the 90% that make the 10% look bad. <laughs> so, yeah, Robert, why don't you go ahead and give my information? As, uh, sir, I, I wrote a book on uh, the grand jury, and it's very powerful. And it's really, yeah. uh, pick out any, any political position under the right of petition you can get before a grand jury, even a federal grand jury. Uh, a year ago, about this time, I was before a grand jury at my request, and the county office that I had concerns with got investigated. Um, it is the investigative body, and really the FBI should be subservient to it, even the attorney general. Um, President uh, Nixon, a lot of the work of the grand jury is what caused him to resign. Um, I can go on and on and on. I wrote a book about it called The Hidden Fourth Branch, but it's a really good tool for your arsenal um, I wouldn't mind even contacting you and posting some things. Well, on, on I'd your love website. to see if you can help me with the situation because it's sitting in the White House waiting to be unwound during President Obama's watch, where I was arrested from my bed, and they totally violated my civil rights or whatever. I hold no malice toward anybody, but they, that's on my truth. And <laughs> so uh, that was all before. Uh, President Obama's friend, Professor Henry Louis Gates, was arrested trying to get in his house in Cambridge, and they had Beergate. I was trying to be a part of Beergate because that was my arrest happened months before his. And uh, hmm. again, I, the way I was set up, but I discussed it in a radio program, uh, Hugh Charlson dismantling the police state. And in there, too, there's a gentleman, if you really want to get into what the global elites are doing, I don't know if anybody's heard of James Perloff, P-E-R-L-O-F. He's really been very on top of it for years and years. But again, I, I don't care what they're doing. What I care is to stop what they're doing and to really uh, bring forth ways to have everybody unite in peace and harmony. Well, nice. Well, there's one thing I well, Robert, I mentioned this, I think, last show I was on, uh, some updates about... Um, well, watch the vote. What we were doing is we submitted, um, encouraged people to submit complaints to California civil grand juries over the election. And there's 14 counties that did something. And uh, they looked into the election system. And uh, <clears throat> so that was pretty exciting. You know, it's a 
cool. Here it is. Here's what we did. Well, Santa Cruz, I haven't read through all of them yet. Um, there were some real frightening things in one county. Um, one, on the title of the grand jury report was culpability and all sorts of problems. But in, in Santa Cruz County, we found something real interesting from the grand jury's work because they went to the election clerk's office and, hey, you know, we just want to examine, examine the whole process. And they did a really nice report on the history of cheating in elections. Well, anyway, they found out that after the election, the county clerk would go to an isolated vote tabulator that would count all the precincts as they kept coming in throughout the night. Well, the election clerk would take a USB stick on this isolated uh, vote tabulator computer, had no um, wireless or wire connect connection to the Internet. They would take this USB stick, and then they'd go to the the web and upload the results. And like every hour or two, as results come in, so you take this USB stick, and you would go from the isolated computer to the web computer, back to the and the grand jury says you don't do that because that's how a virus could come through through the web onto that USB stick back into the isolated computer. I mean, you might as well just hook the you might as well just hook uh, a wire to the computer. So. We're finding some other things too that are, yeah. I mean, you know, how do I get this through to people? How easy it is for a USB stick to um, bring a virus into another computer? It's like, you know, a husband a husband catches a disease from a prostitute in uh, in Vegas and then goes home and his wife gets the disease. Well, I only put my stick in her once. I mean, come on, guys. Like seriously. We are in Bard's our... logic after dark, by the way, guys. <laughs> Go ahead, Kelly. Well, how do I get through to people? You just you gotta watch how the various ways. I mean, just imagine she did this um, the USB stick three times that night to tell the public, and then the next day another one in the morning. Well, what if what if a virus got on there the first time, and every two hours it added a percent for a favored candidate or two percent? Pretty soon a, an election was flipped, and right under her nose she doesn't even know it's happening. Um, the security. Um, the security vulnerabilities of the whole election system is point blank frightening. That's why we've been we watching the vote. You know, Jim there. Hi, Jim. Uh, we've been working to get um, a more secure election or even go back to hand count of paper ballots at the precinct before the votes even leave the precinct. Hello, what a concept. I mean, you, you, you know, they bring in these uh, <clears throat> removable memory chips that you can fit in the palm of your hand. They go from one precinct to the election clerk's office, like, wait a minute. You know, any magician could swap that memory chip, and all those votes mean nothing. And so that's what we're working on at Watch the Vote to get a letter to the Trump Commission on elections. Um, but, yeah, that's just another example more recently of, of grand juries doing their thing. It's everyday people looking into the operations of the government. The government agents aren't cooperating. They have power of subpoena. You don't comply with subpoena, you can actually go to jail. So anyway, that's just that's just the power I wanted to throw out. And Robert, go ahead and can I share one thing related to voting? Sure, of course you can. You? Yes, I uh, I'm sort of like a way shower, and I enjoy life. I have an absentee ballot, and I was curious to see if it would be any problem in me doing this. I did it in the campaign when uh, Dave Brett was running against Eric Cantor. 
So I called the Board of Elections and said, I have to have a witness to me completing my absentee ballot. Is there any problem if I have a candidate doing that? And they said, no, absolutely not. So if you put veteran Hugh, H-U-G-H, Trollson, T-R-A-U-L-S-E-N, it will bring up a posting of how I was handled by Eric Bratt's team. <laughs> they said they didn't need my vote or whatever, because after several attempts of trying to get him to be a witness uh, and not hearing from him, I moved to the Democratic candidate, because I just wanted to have this to show people the power of one vote to see what candidate would express an interest. I finally was successful, and I don't know of anybody else that ever did this, but I had the Libertarian candidate witness me completing my ballot, and I voted for him. Well, that's cool. Yeah, I'm actually a Libertarian myself. Um, right. Yeah, but uh, anyway, oh, by the way, uh, everybody, remember I was mentioning, I think it was back in May, that they were planning something in in July to do some kind of riot. Well, we just had one in August. Okay, maybe I was a month off in that hit and indication. And I'm, you know, with the, the girl got murdered and the cops stood down and it turned into a brawl. And, uh, of course, Trump denounced the violence. And I don't know how many times he has to say he's not racially prejudiced. But um, so what happened was uh, that was one. And I'm wondering if there's going to be more. Hey, real, real quick, uh, real quick, Kelly, and we'll bring it back to you shortly. Uh, oh. We just got a. I just got a message from Dr. Tolbert. Uh, I was going to give him an opportunity to do his final uh, comments for this evening, as we do here on the show uh, before someone's got to go or at the end of the night. But unfortunately, he had to uh, go quickly, and so we want to, of course, thank Dr. Tolbert for uh, coming on to the show, as well as, of course, welcome for him being on the next show. And I do look forward to seeing him. Uh, again, not next week because I will be in Nebraska. So if any of you two, you or Susan, want to join me, you're welcome to come out. No. <laughs> but uh, I will be in Nebraska next week uh, to enjoy the upcoming uh, solar eclipse and hopefully some much-needed R&R. But anyway, let's go ahead and uh, I want to get Dr. Trump the opportunity for his final uh, comments, but he had to. And we, I think we have Gene on the line, too. We want to get in. Uh, at some point, I may get that audio clip in and get everyone's. Uh, take on that again uh, unfortunately this is only a three-hour show uh but it's definitely one of those shows i bet we could get four maybe even uh, tonight five hours of. but unfortunately it's only a three-hour show uh but maybe if i uh, might upgrade my standings uh or, of course that's more money but anyway <laughs> i'll be able to do this these four-hour shows but anyway get back to you kelly and then gene we'll, we'll begin you we'll get you in go ahead Back to me, or I think I was pretty much done. I was just saying, you know, we had one <clears throat> brawl that's planned. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a couple more. Um, what's happened to our country? Why is there a lack of discernment, a lack of researching the facts, a lack of, you know, it was amazing that Trump said today, well, you know, Washington owns, owns slaves. You're going to take down that statue. Thomas Jefferson did too. You're going to take down his statue. I mean, you know, it's. It's really, um, it's just frustrating, you know. I sometimes wonder if we're losing our country. I sometimes wondering if I'm on the deck of the Titanic fiddling with the orchestra of all the ships going down. But yet we must, uh, I would say, suggest uh, carry on until he returns, I guess. That's, um, well, right. Kelly, 
Kelly, uh, did you ever read Georgia Orwell's 1984? I did. Uh, let me just, there's a, a meme going around with part of a, clo- a quote of, of that, and let me just read it to you. Uh, every record has been destroyed or falsified, every book rewritten, every picture has been repainted, every statue and street building has been renamed. Um, Every date has been altered and the process is continuing day by day and minute by minute. History has stopped. Nothing exists except an endless presence in which the party is always right. Now, that's just what was on this part, but... um, well, now there's there's prophecy for you right there, folks. Yeah. <laughs> well, he was, um, Orwell was Orwell was kind of in on it, and one of the powers of TV broke ranks and wrote that book. Um. Well, you know that guy that talks about um, the New World Order guys. That guy that talks about that he's the chaplain to those guys, or used to be the chaplain to some of those elitists. In the New World yeah. Order, you know, he's, I uh, forget what his name is now, Lindsay something or other. Anyway, he um, he says that anytime they get ready to do something or when they're planning on doing something, um, when they have an agenda set, they somehow let us know it, like through movies or songs or TV shows or, you know, some kind of a, you know, thing that you would normally think was fiction, but it's not. It's like novels, things like that. Um, they they let us know in some way. It like so it gauge our reaction. Better. So I wonder, huh? I wonder if all these more recent zombie movies I think they want to gauge our reactions to how we react to it. I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, maybe. Maybe. That could possibly be. Um, or, as he says... He thinks they're appeasing their consciences by letting us know ahead of time, like giving us a warning. So, with all these zombie movies that have come out, are they talking about our Congress? <laughs> well, um, you know, Cindy, uh, Cindy yes, that, what you were just pointing out is very true. Michael Hoffman of RevisionistHistory.org, he's kind of a deep-thinking historian, and analyzer, he calls it revelation of the method, where they reveal something. Now, he says they do it because when people get this conscious or some conscious message from a movie or whatever, it makes people feel more helpless, if they, especially like in the case of the Kennedy assassination when they reveal, we're not going to unseal the documents for 75 years. Well, I remember as a 10-year-old hearing that thing, gee, why would they seal up the documents for 75 years? Well, obviously, they're hiding something. But when people see they can get away with that, he feels they, they think that people subconsciously uh, feel more more enslaved. And uh, but anyway, I think they, they do do that. And we wag the dog is a big revelation of the method regarding to what that uh, – excellent. I never heard that. I mean, I guess I, I read the book in high school, but I forgot it. I guess that was an excellent quote. In the recent series Fargo, where the uh, – the Cohen brothers and a guy named Holly have put out three 10 part series on some other channel or whatever. My friend 
uh, watch it, and he I started watching it. With the last, I, it wasn't that impressive of the season this last year, but the last scene was the best scene they had in the whole three series, is where the very creepy guy who's obviously hooked into the top of world power um, gets arrested, and he's talking to the woman uh, uh, sheriff now, a uh, uh, homeland security person, whatever, who's arrested him. And he, she says, you're going to be put in jail. He says, no, I'm not. Somebody's going to come in here in a few minutes that you can't argue with and let me go. And then he says, you know, there's an old Russian saying, the past is unpredictable. Now, we usually say the future is unpredictable. He said okay. the Russian saying is the past is unpredictable. Yeah. We alter the past. And the woman sheriff, who is like the good person in the movie, says, I think you just made that up. And he says, maybe. And that was kind of the end of the the whole series, and I, I it really showed how things are. But the, the past, you know, to these these vultures of truth, the past is unpredictable. But I yeah. believe their power may be breaking up, and we'll see, we'll see. But I, they're not always. Everything's not going to continue always as it is. They're not going to get away with it forever. The the good guys and truth are going to win in the end. I think. Well, if Trump. If Trump doesn't stop letting himself be duped into some of this stuff. Like he, he, he tried to get them to pass the, the, the healthcare plan. He, he like this, this guy that McConnell got him to endorse the elite guy. Um, yeah. If he doesn't stop letting himself get, uh, bamboozled. Manipulated it seems. Yeah. I might be too strong a word, but. No, I think it's, I think I don't think you're that far off, Robert, because I don't think he to be manipulated means that you don't know you're getting sent in one direction when you are. Well, I think and, I, uh, I think it was manipulated. Take pants, but go ahead. Right, <laughs> right. Well, um, absolutely. Um, you know, deals were made, but anyway, um, uh, these people are manipulating him into thinking one way or another. I mean, that's why he also um, brought on Rince Priebus, you know. That's why... Rince Priebus? Yeah, that's <laughs> why he keeps trying to appease <laughs> these people. But, you know, he he's so good at at recognizing that we cannot appease Muslims and terrorists. And yet he's trying very hard to appease the elitists that he knows are so against him. So I don't know, unless he's just been living kind of a sheltered life up there in Trump Towers and hasn't really, he sees everything that's going on in the business community, but I don't think he's seen the things that go on in the political community. Um, He doesn't know what Newt Gingrich knows, you know, because he's been on the inside. Newt's been on the inside, and he knows how it works on the inside. Um, you know, he, he he doesn't know what Mitch McConnell knows, because Mitch um, McConnell is able to fool him into thinking things. Well, Cindy, um, if I may say, he um, he may just be trying doing what he did in business his whole life, trying to make his enemies his friends. That's not going to work here, as you've said. It's no. not going to work here. Right. Whether he's being duped or not being duped, I think he kind of sees it. He's got to quit trying that, and that's why the precinct strategy is how. If he made that call, we only need two or three hundred people, thousand people, um, uh, nationwide, 
out of 300 million to do it, you know, you have 3 million NRA numbers, 7 million to 10 million Ron Paul supporters. He had 40 to 50 million that voted for him anyway. So, no, he's got to quit appeasing. He's got to quit falling for this stuff. And um, something you said about the uh, that, that George Orwell quote again. <clears throat> um, well, I've, I think I've lost my train of thought. But yeah, he, he's got to quit uh, appeasing. He's got to go in and try to just get the job done and oppose. You know, he, he cannot work with McConnell. These people are not. They've already been bought off, in my opinion. They're not going to do anything to help him. So he's got to go for new people. And, oh, I know what I want to say. Yesterday, and this is maybe another show, Robert, yesterday mm-hmm. Trump began a new era in United States politics because we were supposed to be falling. United for States the what? You broke up there, uh, uh, Jim. The United States history. So we had a new page history. in political history started yesterday because – we are supposed to all feel trapped. We're either Nazis who are, will stay silent while they tear down all of our history, all of our statues, even though these were flawed uh, men in some ways. They were part of our history. So we're, we're either Nazis or we're going to stay quiet. Or, and we're either Nazis and going to oppose the tearing down the statues, or we're going to be, and we're not going to be Nazis and we remain silent while they tear down our history. And Trump threw the gauntlet in the middle of that and said, look, what are you going to do? Go for Washington? Go for Jefferson? And so he and, – and the media is going crazy since yesterday. And, uh, and Joe Scarborough on Morning Joe this morning said everyone in the White House should resign and en masse. And anybody that stays with Trump after today is guilty uh, – is, is, will forever be guilty of being a racist. I mean that was just one well, was hour after hour after hour of this attack on Trump telling him off yesterday at that press conference. Can I jump in? Okay, real, real quick, uh, Jim. I want to give, uh, we'll get back to that real quick. Uh, just got a message here from Kelly. Uh, Kelly, uh, I know you got to get going. Uh, well, he just got, you know, I was going to give him his points. People need to just stop just dropping and interrupt and say, hey, I got to go before I give you your final thoughts. Uh, Kelly had to, to, to drop out as well. Uh, I was hoping to be able to get him his, his final comments for this evening. Uh, but, again, unable. So, back to you, Jim. No, I was done. Uh, I was done, Robert. I was asking to jump in. Go ahead, let's go ahead at this. Mean, John. Let's go ahead at this. What's that? John wanted to talk something. Oh, go ahead, John, and then I want to bring and then bring Susan in for any comments, and then I want to bring in Jane, and then uh, what a and unfortunately run out of time. I do want to play that audio in part because I put the effort to do it. <laughs> but anyway, I just want to get what uh, uh, people's take were, and I definitely want to hear from you, Hugh, about uh, the happenings in Virginia specifically because well, you're from Virginia, so we'd like to hear more from you. We do got another article we're probably not going to get to tonight. Uh, our sec, our uh, third, what was going to be our third segment, but that's okay. It's the organic nature of the show, and that was uh, an article you could find on the Bard's Logic Political Talk website, namely uh, the Bard's Logic Newsroom, and you check out all the other different pages. I knew I do have to do some updates, but anyway, check that out. And the article I was going to be referring to for one of our uh, talks, and this is actually something where I had a little bit of disagreement with Newt Gingrich, which normally I agree with a lot of, if not most of what he 
you know, he says, but um, this is one you can find. It's uh, called Exclusive Inside General McMaster's Purge, How National Security Advisor Eliminated Trump Loyalists. Now, I'm not going to read the article, but that article you can find uh, in the Bards Logic newsroom at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. So let's go ahead and bring it over to you, John. And then I'll uh, bring in Susan, and then I'll uh, bring in Gene, and then I'll see if I can get to that audio. Because, unfortunately, uh, we're actually almost to the bottom of the hour, and we have still plenty of folks on the line. And I, I do want to be able to get some closing comments with folks uh, if we can for tonight. So let's go ahead and bring it back to you, John. Thank you. Yeah, I just wanted to kind of piggyback on what Cindy and, and Jim Condit just said, because that's what I was referring to earlier whenever I was – bringing up Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the media are bought by a lot of these globalists. They're owned by them. So the media it wants to get all of us in our mind thinking divide and conquer. We Maybe. have to make sure that these white supremacists know their place in society. And I'm like going, that's exactly the way Hitler and them started. So that's why I was bringing that up too. So I appreciate that being drilled again because we can't let the media – Manipulate us into becoming the divide and conquer tool. That's what they're trying to do, because naturally we all don't agree. Whatever it is, Black Lives Matter, or like I said earlier, or um, whatever this white supremacist people think or whatnot. But the fact of the matter is, we're all legal United States citizens, and we share the same immunities and privileges. Otherwise, we don't have a constitution. So let me move on to the next point because I appreciate making sure everybody knows the media is being manipulated or they are the manipulators trying to get us to buy into this mind control about divide and conquer in, in our own minds and pandering to that. But the other thing is uh, Donald Trump, and you guys were talking about how he was kind of going with the flow with um, Mitch McConnell and stuff. Here, here's my twist on this. Donald Trump is, he is snake oil. I mean, he's one of the most crafty thinking people in the world. And back during the campaign, when he realized that there was these never Trumpers out there, I guarantee you, he calculated saying, hey, if I get Rents Priebus and Sean Spicer on my team, then I'm going to actually get them to come along with me so these never Trumpers will shut up and they'll actually vote me into office. And then... Uh, X number of days into office, I can get Spicer and, and Priebus replaced, and then I can carry on with my agenda. And I think that's exactly what Trump's doing, and I applaud him for doing that in the sense that he was out strategizing these guys. But at the same time, I do have a problem with the fact that he doesn't seem to care about the Constitution, and then like um, Cindy was saying, he's being duped by some of these insider elite Washington establishment guys but it might be that he has so much information now that he's on the inside and he's still trying to get his feet as far as how to work through this political mess that he's not used to. And like Jim was saying, he's bringing that prowess and cunning artistry from being a, a super-duper professional businessman to the political front that he's got another surprise coming that's going to get rid of more of some of these people. And if it's a legit that he is actually for we the people, the forgotten man, then he's going he's gonna to probably win and make things a whole lot better. But my lack of knowledge and stuff makes me a bit hesitant, and because of my past experience of following him since the 70s when I adored him 
and I thought him and Norman Vincent Peale were awesome. And then I started hearing other stuff. I started going, wait, i got to be more calculating. There's a little deception and trickery going here. But anyway, I thought that was food for thought. I think Donald Trump is a whole lot smarter than a lot of these people are giving him credit for, and he likes the fact that they think he's a little bit behind the ball because that gives him maneuver, you know, ability to maneuver where they wouldn't normally probably let him maneuver. Back to you. I hope you're right, John. Real, uh, real quick, I do want to uh, put this up before, since we're almost at the bottom of the hour. I do want to uh, thank you, Harriet. I know you're listening uh, for sharing out the show this evening, as well as others who have uh, shared out the link. And for those uh, listening live or listening to the podcast, of course, uh, listening in uh, would be appreciated, as well as uh, liking our Facebook page, uh, as well as going to the website and subscribing to the newsroom. Uh, And then, of course, you could also uh, follow the show here on uh, Blog Talk Radio. So let's go ahead. I believe that was you, Cindy. Thanks again, Harriet. Uh, Go ahead, Cindy. And I do want to bring in Susan, though, still, and I do want to bring in Jean as well. Oh, I just was saying to John that I I hope he's right, and go ahead and bring in Susan. Uh, Susan, go ahead. uh, If you want to add into uh, any of your comments there, and then we'll bring in Jean. Um, Romney is, uh, he slammed Trump's latest chart of bill comments, and I'm like... Oh, yeah, I heard oh, about that, yeah. Shut up. You lied and stole the Republican nomination from Ron Paul and thought you could enter the race the last time, and you had an F fail. So why do you think I would even listen to your babbling, you know, and no one should. <laughs> um, and then, uh, you, uh, well... Did you hear about Fox News? Uh, I don't What about it? <laughs> they have another sexual harassment, Jacob. <laughs> oh, blah, blah. Um, I'm, you know, I don't. I, I'm, I, you know, I, you know what? I, I don't care. It's probably not true. And even if it is, there's part of me that doesn't care either. You know? I mean, that, sounds, Eric, that might sound terrible. You talking about but. the Eric Bowling thing? You mean the Eric Bowling <laughs> thing? Is you that what? Huh? What'd you say? What'd you say? I said, are you talk? I said, are you talking about the Eric Bowling thing? No, this is another new one. I guess it comes uh-huh. on constantly. They're all they do over there is either a setup or they don't have nothing better to do with their life than harass sexually. <laughs> I don't know. They have I to, guess I don't know. Maybe they're bored of boxing. I'm to, just kidding. Well, they have no, to try to silence the people that are are, uh, you know, going against their agenda. Uh, Robert, I know Kelly always tells a little funny joke, you know, but I thought I'd tell one tonight. Um, sure. It's actually a truthful one from a Reader's Digest from some years back. I was prosecuting a case involving a man charged with driving under the influence. Defense counsel was beginning to lose his cool with a police witness and implied they'd gotten their facts wrong. People do make mistakes, don't they, Officer Locke? He demanded of the witness. Yes, sir, came the reply. I'm Officer Wexter, the defense law. <laughs> well, with, with the people around, you know, this is why we get what we do when we're when they're in office, you know, and stuff like that. But I thought it was funny. And I've got to get off, but uh, oh, one last thing, the Seahawks won. <laughs> 
Oh, no, it's not time. I guess that's that time of the year for that again, Susan. Well, I uh, appreciate you coming to the show and giving the information. Let's go ahead and get Jane in, and then, you know, we may have to start. Then I'm going to play that audio, get a few comments, and, my gosh, we're going to have to go with closing comments already. But let's go ahead and uh, – oh, thank you, Susan. Let's go ahead and get and get Jane in here. Uh, thank you very much, Gene, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Thank uh, you for your pretty, Doing pretty good. Uh, there's a lot of different interesting stuff. He's pretty power. First, there was Denzel Loya, and you guys probably didn't talk about Eclipse from and then in there. Uh, more and more, they put all the factors out during the middle of the night. And I think because my one of my opinions is about Trump that he should have Newt Pinrich and other advisors around him so he could have a better chance of running the government, and that didn't work out too well. And I wish they could do something to send the railroad to send some troops or to do something in there to get that back into the right direction, a democracy in different things. That was some of the main things I wanted to say. Okay, well, I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, Harry, uh, thanks for the, uh, the article that uh, you sent me here on Just Sessions. Uh, now, one of the things I wanted to – oh, we lost Cindy's call. Darn it. Um, but I just lost my track. But let's go ahead and uh, – and, yeah, about Sessions. And there was something else I wanted to bring up, and I cannot remember what it was. Um, oh, I don't know. I guess I just had a brain freeze. But let me go on. We still have uh, you know plenty of folks here on the line, but I wanted to go ahead and, and play this audio. This is I thought was a, a pretty good uh, analysis uh, by Jesse Waters. Uh, of course, from Waters World, but he was actually on the show, The Five, uh, and uh, he was making these comments about, you know, what happened there in, in Charlottesville with them, with the uh, the president's uh, reaction and comments, as well as, uh, you know, some of the backlash from the media. Trump is not the villain. The racist killer is the villain in Charlottesville. Mm-hmm. And if Trump, you know, had named names, would the media have not created the firestorm? Yes. If Trump had named names, would as the enemies still hate him? Yes. If Trump had named names, would the media still have linked him to the violence? Yes, because they were linking him to the violence before he even said anything. Just because he didn't name names doesn't make him a racist. It just opened up the door for people to unfairly smear him as a racist. Let's look at the facts about the whole many sides debate. You had both sides coming into the town armed to the teeth with clubs, with shields, with mace, the Antifada people, the Black Lives Matter people, the white supremacists and the neo-Nazis. They wanted to rumble. And it is true. The whites were the ones that started this racist rally, and it was a white racist that committed this murder, allegedly. The, The New York Times said, and she was on the ground, the reporter, the hard left seemed as hate-filled as the alt-right. I saw club-wielding, anti-fob-beating white nationalists. The ACLU of Virginia, not sure who provoked first. Both sides were hitting at each other. And then one of the four people who were arrested was a left-wing radical who punched a reporter in the face, female reporter. So we can armchair President Trump's response all we want, but there's a lot of hypocrisy going on here. (laughs) Hillary Clinton waited two weeks after Benghazi to call that terrorism. If Trump had blamed Charlottesville on a video, maybe he would have gotten a free pass. President Obama waited four days during Ferguson while that city burned, and he was in Martha's Vineyard 
having dinner to come out. And when he come out, he came out dead, he blamed both sides, the looters and the police. When Black Lives Matter activists executed NYPD people and shot cops cold dead in the streets in Dallas, what did the president do? He didn't condemn Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter got invited to the White House. And when he did speak about it, he goes, it's hard to untangle the motivations of right. the shooter, and we don't want to assign blame from one kook to a larger national movement. Obama called terrorism workplace violence, so it's hard to be lectured about word games from the left. And a police shooter, this guy, a Bernie Sanders volunteer, targeted Republican congressman with a weapon. No one blamed Bernie Sanders for that, but they want to lay this death at the doorstep of Donald Trump. It's disgraceful. These same people who are mad at President Trump for saying radical Islam now all of a sudden want them to say white supremacy. There's a, it's totally so ridiculous. You got to you got to make a distinction here between people who came. Okay, and then the, the rest was uh, I can't remember Juan Williams, I guess, uh, but I don't want to hear from him. <laughs> So I turned it off. Uh, but anyway, so I wanted to hear your take uh, first, Hugh, uh, on you know, that audio clip and as well as in Virginia, since you know, you're in Virginia, I don't know how close you were uh, or close you are to, uh, you know, Clarksville, whatever. Oh, we just lost Gene. Uh, thank you, Gene. Uh, and then, but I, w- I just want to get your take on on the whole matter. Well, I'm about an hour away from Charlottesville, but uh, this is. What's interesting to me is probably three or four days before the incident even happened, they were promoting it and saying that they probably would have the National Guard and all kinds of stuff. And why is why is that constantly being promoted? So obviously there's some kind of a stage being set up for the whole way that went through, and especially hearing how the the mayor and everything and how it was all handled. But uh, again, I don't feed into the conspiracies. I'm solution oriented. So I don't even understand. I know when I was young too, even if I had strong feelings, I wouldn't go out in the streets with putting my body at risk. And I mean, didn't we learn anything from Kent State and everything? With technologies today, I'm changing the world from my dining room table. And even connecting on this show, I think, is more powerful in what we're saying and, and dialogue and helping each other understand and come to some solutions for our country's future than getting out there and, and splitting somebody's head open or getting killed yourself. So if they have these crazy factions out there, then the camera can really get a bead on who they are. Um, uh, uh, you know, if they're, here again, everybody's got cameras, and if the police are functioning properly too, they should be putting these people away, and the innocent people that are in jail that may have popped a little here and there should you know, start not having to serve so much time and maybe change their ways and get more spiritual in a different way. <laughs> But I do want to say <laughs> something, too. Spirits, is that yeah, I, I hope people will truly investigate that website thoroughly. I support any president in office. I, You'll see the letter from President Obama to me. But mainstream media runs from me. Thank God we have the blog talk and the Internet. But uh, they won't touch me with a 10-foot pole because they don't want my information out there. 
because it forces transparency and truth. And related to President Trump, I extended, I wrote a letter the first day he took office offering my support. And you'll see letters from years ago that I wrote to him. But there's more than people know about him. And here again, through all these discussions, don't put your faith in one person. And, and why is he coming out saying he's smarter than all the generals and he's this and this and that as if he's a savior? I, I, people forget during the campaign. I still am trying to figure out in my mind as a Vietnam era veteran. And I immediately went on and said, I will proudly stand on Fifth Avenue and allow this man to shoot me because I don't think it will happen in America. It's illegal. Why he would even say those words, and now he's even saying he thinks about things before he makes a statement. Well, there's more to him, too. One of his other mentors, I heard the gentleman was very astute, mentioned Norman Vincent Peale. My wife actually worked at Guidepost with Dr. Norman Vincent Peale for about 10 years. But I grew up not far from Trump. But here's another thing. The other mentor, and this is where a lot of his background is very deep, that's Roy Cohen, and he was mafioso attorney. And you'll notice the strategy with Mr. Trump in his private life. All the people that he screwed over, all those lawsuits still pending, the contractors that did beautiful work and never got paid, and he just drags it out in court until he, they have no more, no more money. And as popular as he is as a successful business person, don't forget, the taxpayer paid for all those bankruptcies, and he's so smart that he never has to pay taxes. So he's smarter than all of us, but he's not smarter than God. And that's where, again, I will support him, but I don't hear him saying that he wants to empower the people. I hear him saying, I have all the answers. If people will just give me a chance, I'll give you everything you need. Well, even during the campaign again, too, he did uh, fundraising for veterans organizations. They had to chase down that money to get it finally. I have strategies that will empower each individual veterans organization, and it doesn't have to be through some kind of an ego event that can be really helping each individual in the organization learn how to transform their lives. So, again, I support him. I support any president, but uh, he has to get his foot out of his mouth and use some common sense because, again, even in Florida, <laughs> and how, oh, I, I just want to interject this for people too. Please on the website, Rooting Out Corruption, look at the book, The KGB, The Eyes of Russia, and the other book, The File. I spoke with both those authors after reading the book. And President Putin is classic KGB. He hasn't changed at all. But the strategies that I have can really encourage what's going on with the youth over in Russia to see that they're being deprived. And the, and the same thing with Kim Jong-il and his people. And when we bring spirituality into the picture and put it out there that, hey, you're killing people, innocent people, and you're controlling and manipulating mass amounts of people for your own personal greed, you're going to be accountable for that when you go back into spirit. And with my creativity, I picture a guy like Hitler, 500 trillion galaxies away from planet Earth on a little asteroid as a cockroach getting eaten every day, trying to work his way back through the eons to planet Earth to see if he can be a better person next time around. So people don't put your faith in everybody uh, just on sound bites. Really investigate who you're truly looking to 
empower and in the process start changing all that during the campaigns. Again, every time you come into contact with a politician, let him interact with the people and let the people give them the answers because that's where they're going to come from anyway. So I thank you for again letting me have this opportunity. And I think that there was a lot of intelligence expressed on this and that if we just realize that uh, we can do things, you, you don't have to go out and put your body in jeopardy, but by just uniting with the technologies and helping one another, we'll shift this very quickly. Well, I definitely appreciate it, Hugh, and of course, I invite you on to, you know, the subsequent shows. Uh, definitely like to get your insights and your opinions, and I definitely am interested in us talking off air as well, especially about uh, on the law of attraction, things of that nature. That's something, you know, I really uh, subscribe to. And so I do see that we only got about 10 minutes uh, before I have to uh, close things out for this evening. Uh, and so what we'll do is uh, we do have uh, us three gentlemen on the line uh, for closing comments. Each person's got probably about three minutes for that. Uh, so what we'll do is we'll do it this way. Uh, first, we'll go to you, John, and, and give you those uh, minutes for your final uh, comments, thoughts. And then uh, we'll give it over uh, back to you, Hugh, if uh, you've got any more you'd like to uh, say for the end of the evening. And then, Jim, and then I'll unfortunately have to close things off. But let's go ahead and start it back with you, John. Yeah, well, I just want to convey to everybody that I'm just really struggling with a lot of this stuff. I really appreciate everybody's intelligence and experience that they're bringing to this conversation. And I can only be responsible to try to soak up all the information that comes my way and then be diligent to handle it in truth and try to make sure that I'm handing it back out in trust because the deception is so thick. we got Congress and senators in campaign mode before they get elected that they just seem to say all the right things. Then they get elected and they're proven to be just liars. So it's like the system has to be built from a standpoint that if every position throughout every level of government, city, county, state, and federal, Adolf Hitler was the person administrating that office. If we can make sure that we all can mutually agree to the laws, rules, processes, and procedures that keep Hitler in check to do the will of we the people, then we're all going to stand together. Because if we run roughshod over one of us, then that's an oligarchy of centralized dictatorship of some sort. It's not all of us being equal citizens with same privileges and immunities. And trust is the biggest factor. And if we can't trust each other, because think about it, the enemy, they could care less whether we trust them or not. They just want to make sure that you and I don't trust each other. They win. As long as you and I argue and can't trust each other, they win. Because as long as there's that uh, divide and conquer, that division, and they are in the positions of power with money and influence and controlling media, and being able to control, you know, the technology and electronics, because with money, man, you can buy off a lot of people, especially people that's barely getting by, and they just need to have some way to sustain themselves, even if they're high, you know, big uh, computer scientists. And therefore, bam, how do you fight big money when you got a bunch of Americans that are willing to sell their 
fantastic salad for a loaf of bread. It, it won't work. We all are going to crumble. So I'll just leave it at that. And excellent show. Thank you, Mr. Robert. You're an awesome show. appreciate you doing this and the hard work you put into it and everybody else and all that you guys do to make this world a better place, specifically the United States of America. May we all be united. Back to you. Well, I appreciate it. Uh, John, I appreciate you coming uh, each show. And so we do got uh, some more time here. So let's go ahead and bring your, your final comments uh, on this evening or anything else you'd like to close out with you. Okay. Uh, I would like to go back to the two books I mentioned and also point out synchronicities. That's a big thing that people uh, don't pay too much attention to, but they can be very interesting, and I'll give an example. Uh, after I read the uh, KGB, The Eyes of Russia, written by Harry Rizitsky, a high-level CIA operative, I actually spoke with both authors after reading their books back in the 80s, way before the Internet, and uh, Harry Rizitsky had retired from the CIA and had a gentleman horse farm in Northern Virginia was studying theology, spirituality, and religion. Funny how they do that when they retire from the CIA. But in any event, over the years, I lost track of him. In 2008, something triggered me to see if he was still alive. I Googled his name and saw he had passed. When I read his obituary, four synchronicities jumped right out at me. His name was Harry. My father's name was Harry. His wife's name was Barbara Helen. My mother-in-law's name was Helen. His daughter's name was Anne Elizabeth Hunt. My wife's name was Anne Elizabeth. My mother's maiden name was Hunt. Now, four synchronicities and one little obituary is pretty bizarre. High-level CIA, that's off the charts. And again, I have been accused in all kinds of different things. You'll hear me discuss it in interviews. I, I live a life transparent, and I was falsely implicated in a supposed assassination <clears throat> plot against President Reagan back in the early 80s, and I was interviewed by a Secret Service agent. It was total BS, and that's in the archives somewhere. I want to get that out there so people can see. And again, the biggest thing is not to have the fear, but to have the spirituality and to understand that still that it, with that faith, we, we came from spirit, we're going back into spirit. So just be the change that you want to see in the world and do it from a place of unconditional love and your life will shift beautifully. And there are different timelines. Those that don't want to pick up on the raising of the consciousness, maybe they will have their Armageddon. Maybe uh, Kim Jong-il and Trump can just push the buttons and blow the planet to smithereens, but we'll be somewhere else. We'll be fine as long as we have the right kind of heart-to-God connection. So, again, uh, one last thing, too, is get out and go barefoot in the grass. We did it as kids, and that's a big part of balancing our energies and uh, staying halfway sane and uh, leave the devices inside. Just go out and stand in the grass for a while, and it'll, uh, you'll, you'll have an old, a whole new perspective when you come in. And I say nature is God's classroom. And I give a couple examples and different things uh, on there, uh, too. Uh, so, again, I pray and support President Trump. Uh, I have reached out. If anybody on this show can tell him, why don't you interact with this guy? Because it seems like he's 
got some things that could help the the country and 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 root out the corruption. Uh, uh, that's what he said he was going to do. He's going to drain the swamp. But I know he mm-hmm. loves gold. In my mind, he's just gold leafing the swamp there, but it still stinks underneath. So uh, <laughs> be very careful about putting all your hope and faith into somebody who you think is a savior, especially when they say that they have all the answers, and then especially when they have to keep firing people. Uh, because what he does is, and he does it in his business, you can even see it in The Apprentice. He'll, he'll give you the opportunity but as soon as it doesn't go his way, you're finished. <laughs> and he doesn't, the buck stops here. That's, uh, who's that, Theodore Roosevelt or whatever? But I don't see that happening with President Trump. I wish it would. Well, we got three more, well, a little more than three more years to, uh, to see how that all that pans out. We'll be, uh, well, at least, uh, at the very least, uh, he'll be an interesting ride. <laughs> and again, thank you very much uh, for coming to show your. You're always welcome to come back. And, and again, we are going to definitely talk off air. I'd really be interested in doing that. And Jim, uh, you were the be- beginning uh, person on the show. You will be, uh, except for you know my, myself, I guess, with closing things out uh, with your final comments on uh, tonight's topics, and and you know even you know reiterating some of the points that you made earlier in the beginning of the show, and uh, then I'll have to close things out. Uh, thank you very much, everyone, uh, and go ahead, Jim. Uh, Robert, how much time do you have left till the show ends? How many minutes? Well, I've probably got about uh, four minutes before I have to close things out. Okay, well, I'll try to be faster than four minutes then. Um, I On this thing in Charlottesville, um, several things. One is, while... I believe that the cause of the rally to prevent the tearing down of the Robert E. Lee statue was, was the good guys. And those who came to protest him were the bad guys, but still there were bad guys in each crowd, I think. And there were good people who were um, trying to do good, however duped they were in, in each crowd. However, I don't like the state. I'd like to feel good about the, um, the alt-right side, but some of the leaders were interviewed and were saying absolutely stupid uh, things that almost looked like they were trying to discredit themselves, like they weren't really sincere players. What Robert Spencer said to one of the reporters, which was played, was monumentally stupid. He said, I want to go back to white privilege. I, I like white privilege, blah, blah, blah. Well, even using the term white privilege is playing into the hands of the enemy. That was made mm-hmm. up by lefties. And uh, you know, white privilege. I don't want white white privilege. We want everything on merit. Uh, in fact, the white man and then the white civilization has got a lot of merit to its uh, past. But the idea of saying I want white privilege sounds like he's almost trying to discredit himself. Rush Limbaugh was saying he was coming from a position of being in the a Hillary supporter and um, Wall Street Occupy Wall Street a few years ago. I don't know if that's true. So anyway, it mm-hmm. does make you wonder when something gets such national publicity, if this wasn't mm-hmm. all part of manipulation. Finally, I just want to say I don't necessarily believe that this narrative about the girl even dying. I guess she died. But you might want to have Professor Jim Fetzer, retired of the University of Minnesota on one week. He's investigated a lot of these things from Dylan Roof and the black church that was shot up to Sandy Hook. And there are questions on all these things. None of them under scrutiny come off as looking that, that, that we can say for sure 
they weren't contrived events. I mean, they took Dylan Roof after they arrested him for shooting, killing the blacks in that church, allegedly. The police took him through Burger King, the home of the Whopper, to get a sandwich. Now, when did you ever hear of a police arresting an alleged murder, taking him through a fast food restaurant? Jim Fester has <laughs> one, and that was on that was on YouTube. One thing after another, after another, after another, where these events, and this is just, again, a perfect narrative. The left comes out smelling like a rose. The the, the people trying to stand up, uh, in part anyway, the part of the people trying to stand up for America's heritage come off looking like murderers and idiots. I don't know. I, it may be all that the girl died and all that. I just don't know. Okay, Robert, thank you again for the time that you've given all of us and for the show. Oh, I appreciate it. We we'll definitely get it. Man, you, you brought up a lot of different shows that we can have, and I hope we are going to be able to do those in the future. And one of the things, actually, when I mentioned, when I did see sessions, I, that does, uh, something you said did spur my thought, is, and unfortunately we don't have enough time to, to talk about it uh, tonight. But, I mean, I, I really don't agree with this. Oh, this investigation for civil rights, whatever they're, they're saying, I think they're just playing into the hand of the left uh, by even – entertaining that oh well, we're going to do an investigation you know uh, about civil rights violations or what have you but anyway so that that may be for another day but we'll have one last quick one quick thing yeah uh, there's a uh, c book span c-span two uh, the in-depth program that was uh, earlier this month with uh, chris ann hall She's a, a lawyer uh, that's not practicing, but teaches the Constitution. And I called in and spoke with her an hour and nine minutes into that in-depth program. But she would be somebody you should take a look at her uh, website, chrisannhall.com. And she just started something called uh, uh, Liberty, uh, Liberty uh, University some Party, uh, LibertyPartyUniversity.com, I think it is. So that might be interesting to look at, too. Yeah, certainly. And, yeah, LibertyParty.com, you said? LibertyPartyUniversity.com, I believe. University. But her name, you can pick it up by Googling her name, too. Or just go book C-SPAN 2 in-depth with Chris Ann, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E Hall, H-A-L-L. And then they took my call an hour and nine minutes into the show, I questioned how the Constitution protects or helps uh, the American uh, indigenous people. And uh, she replied to that and also what she's doing in Haiti with her husband with the ministry. We definitely appreciate that, and we'll be checking that out. But I want to say uh, everyone have a good week. Uh, while I'm uh, traveling out to see the Great American Solar Eclipse, uh, I think there's even a web- there is a website on that. But anyway, I do uh, have to say that I am going to close tonight, as I do every night, and that is by the song by Aubrey Ashburn. And you can hear more of her music by going to www.aubreyashburn.com. So thanks again, folks. See you next time. Take care and good night. Mm-hmm.